evening and welcome to Alosa Fumar Takes. This is our 247th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessy, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show, a show that I've been waiting for a long time to do. I've had this guest on before, but this is the show that I've been waiting to do for a long time. It's one of my absolute favorite people that I've ever met in this industry. And I know I say that, it seems like I say that every week. I just have a lot of favorite people, but this is doesn't make it any less true. Doesn't make it any less true at all. So before we get to formal introductions of our guests of honor tonight, let's thank the show that make the, the thank the people that make this show possible. That of course is our sponsors, and tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate is partnering up with Deadwood Tobacco Company once again for the Girl with No Name Robusto Extra coming to Famous Smoke Shop, an entirely new Deadwood. The Girl with No Name Five by Fifty Four Expression is now available exclusively at Famous Smoke Shop. The regular lineup of Deadwood Tobacco Company by Drew Estate includes Fat Bottom, Betty Sweet Jane, Crazy Alice, Leather Rose, but Deadwood, the girl with no name, Robusto Extra is part of Drew Estate's lineup of limited edition cigars that the company makes exclusively for particular cigar retail shops. This one is going straight to Famous Smoke Shop. It's the girl with no name, the Robusto Extra 5x54 expression. There's something very strange about Deadwood's The Girl With No Name, explains Vaughn Boyd, the founder of Deadwood Tobacco Company, who partnered with Drew Estate initially to interpret the notorious Deadwood lady's sultry tales through the world of cigars. She is a yummy vixen who appeared out of nowhere to join her Deadwood sisters and is now on the run. Only a posse of the boldest and most daring desperados have a chance to rope her in. Are you one of those desperados? Check out Famous Smoke Shop and get The Girl With No Name, the partnership from Drew Estate and Deadwood Tobacco today. And welcome, everyone. Today is our 247 take. So without further ado, we'll get to introductions uh, of our guest of honor, who is sponsored by United Cigars. Smoke once a day. Start living United. Mr. Fred Rui of Illusione Cigars. Fred, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. 247 takes. 247. Wow, you'd think you'd have it right by now, and yeah. here I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you know, I, I think it's one of those things like you know the age old mantra of you learn something new every day, or you know, you know, right, perfect, right. perfection okay. is unattainable. But you know, here we are. I'm with it. I'm with it. Here we are. Here we are. To to, to take a step back in perfection. I'm I'm with you. Um, <laughs> uh, Fred, I'm so excited to have you. I have you on this show. Uh, again, and of course to talk about. Um, to talk about you specifically, I know I've had, we've, we, we've had you on like the film series where you mm-hmm. have uh, such great insight and, and I know we have a lot of fun on that show and everything, but it's, it's great to, it's great to have you on uh, to talk a little bit more about your journey, your story, and then also uh, everything going on at Illusione. Um, some really, really neat stuff. So a lot of great, great things coming. So really excited to talk to you about everything tonight, but um, I always kind of kick things off with a couple of icebreakers before we get into that though. I do have a couple of surprise <laughs> here. Um, and as kind of become tradition here on the show is, um, my guest always picks the cigar for me to smoke. So, um, I think you'll, uh, I think you will love two of these and you, you know, we'll, 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 we'll see how you feel about the third. So, um, um, I've actually never had, uh, this one from the original documents, I guess it's the four halves G or four, two G or however you would characterize okay. it. All right. Yeah. Um, I've actually, this it's, it's probably the only illusion I've, I've, I've never had. At least to my knowledge, okay. um, the ultra uh, OP number seven, six and a half by fifty-eight. Got this at the Great Smoke from you, actually. So, um, and that that's cigar number two. And then this is the one I'm not sure if you'd like or not, but uh, I mean, I loved it. Uh, it. It made my my top ten uh, list. Uh, I can already guess where ago. you're going. 
It's the uh, the nomad martial law. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I, I'm going to have to say go with an Illusione just because, um, you know, because I, I guess I have to say that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, honestly, you can't, you can't go wrong on any of them. Uh, if, you, if you haven't – well, it, the show usually goes a little while. The Ultra is going to have a nice little kick to it. So uh, I'd say fire up the Ultra. Fire up the Ultra. Here we go. All right. Perfect. I know Coop's excited because uh, it's the closest thing to – a sixty gauge out of the out of the out of the out of the grouping here. So, you know what's funny is that I don't smoke a lot of sixties. Matter of fact, uh, even when I have Nomad, I I I think I made one sixty. Maybe everything was like a fifty eight, and even then, I don't smoke a lot of fifty eights. And I have in in you know, there's only a couple that I can think of. Illusione being one of them. And the six by fifty eights, the Gordos. Matter of fact, that's what I'm smoking right now. I'm actually smoking the new Singulari. We can talk about the band and stuff later, but oh, nice! So, and I'm actually smoking a a, a six by fifty eight on that. Um, I'm sorry, six by fifty six, uh, and that's about as big of a ring gauge as as I will get. Um, and then, there's, but there's a couple there's a couple out there that I that I'm like. Okay, it the the bigger the bigger ring gauges work. Yeah, I, I kind of knock on Coop because he's always great about the sixties, but like there are some larger gauge cigars that I just I absolutely dig. It's been a while since I've smoked the number seven of this. I do like this blend quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if, I, I don't think, I honestly, I, and I'm not just saying this because we're talking about it, but like, I don't think it's because of the size that I stay away from the number seven. I think mm-hmm. I just like some of the other ones more and everything. Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, um, I was, I was going to ask, this is the one that you handed me at the great smoke. What, like, what goes into that decision? Was that was that a Dion decision? Was that you guys collectively? Was that Abe's decision on what cigar he wanted to be handed out? Like, I've, I've, no, that I'm yeah, it was it was to- totally our call. Um, you know, we we it, it depends on the event. It depends on what we think of the makeup of the audiences a little bit. Um, sometimes it can it can really depend on what what's available, uh, particularly when you're talking about you know how many to give out. Um, you know, like we wouldn't we wouldn't roll into giving out you know a thousand cigars of candela or something when, when guys aren't necessarily into candela. So you try to take your, your best stab at, at, at an expression of the portfolio. Um, sometimes we'll go to medium ultras, you know, kind of a medium plus, uh, you know, everything, everything Dion has in the portfolio is for flavor. So, uh, you know, some of it's just random. Um, you know, you, you've been around a long time and, and, and had seen a lot of different cigars and, you know, what I like about ended up, you know, with Luciane is that there's just not a bad cigar in the portfolio. And, and I know that's thrown around a lot, but when you, when you, you know, when you talk to people and you go, okay, you know, desert Island, you can only bring five brands with you, not even single sticks, just five brands or whatever. And, and you know, look, you've worked in shops, every rep walking in the shop in their box, they've got an Luciane. It, it's, it's always been that, you know, that circle of friends, inner circle, yeah. if you know, you know, cigar, uh, you know, and part of that was the, the way, you know, Dion just put away the, you know, put the company together as far as it's, it's not, not big on marketing, not big on swag, not big on, you know, you know, everything, it's just all the focus on tobacco. And so, you know, the spread, there were, you know, even, you know, cigar aficionado, uh, I think there's 15 top 25s for, for that, for that, you know, brand. Uh, for that for that company 
Mm-hmm. So um, it's just, oh, you know, there's, there's not a bad cigar to give everybody. It's just kind of trying to pick the, the best one, but they're, they're all, they're all good. I mean, they're all solid. And like I said, it's thrown around a lot, but you know, you don't take my word for it. You can ask anybody that, you know, has a shop or any, any cigar geek, um, you know. I think that's a really, I think that's a really astute observation, Fred, because I, 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 I completely agree with you. Like, as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, that makes absolute sense. Like every, every rep that has any other cigar in their, their, their travel humor it's going to be an upper day you know it's going to be yeah or you know something like it that's that's absolutely that's an absolute accurate statement if i've ever heard if i've ever heard one that's, that's well that's and it's true. it's not it's it's not one i mean look there there are a handful of brands look you you, you say a padron you know you know 26 or you know whatever whatever your favorite padron sure. is that that's going to be another one that people are saying, okay, I've got a Padron, I've got an Luciana, I've got, maybe they have a f- favorite Davidoff or Fuente. Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe there's somebody else on the list. Maybe, maybe there's crown heads, maybe there's, there's um, foundation, whatever it may be, but it's a short list that, that the industry seems pretty unified on. Right. Um, and then, and, and that's not to suggest by the way, anybody not on that short list and doesn't have a great cigar. There's a lot of great cigars out there. It's just that you keep seeing when when you're able to go, you know, Dion started in 2005, when you're able to go that length of time and still be that hit list, still be that one that everybody's like, oh, no, that that's, you know, look, if I, if I can only bring five brands with me, this is the brand I'm bringing. Um, that, that says a lot. Absolutely. No, I, I, I think I think what uh, what he's created in his time is, is, is something it's a little bit of a mystery and like i think the uh the tagline that he ran, ran with and he, he still probably uses it the uh the we are not industry standard like i mean mm-hmm. that that's i mean that's a that's a mantra that's pretty well in tune with what what he's been able to build um it's mm-hmm. been pretty impressive like when you would we look back at it and like every year we do an you know we either do a previous show or we've done an analysis of like the cigar fish in the top 25 and there's a lot of things mm-hmm. in common <clears throat> with the, the people that appear on that list mm-hmm. uh, consistently year after year. There, there's one outlier that consistently appears year after year and that you can maybe throw Pete Johnson in the same conversation with Dion, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but Pete does things differently than Dion and Dion does different things than Pete. So like, but mm-hmm. Dion's just, they're very unique, very unique individuals and their business models and just incredibly not industry standards, you know, to, yeah. to, to turn about a phrase. Well, but. you know, it, it, it's strange. I mean, so I went down, so I've known Dion for a while and, you know, we always had these conversations about, you know, okay, if you want to be where you don't want to do some of these things, because other people have done it, how do people discover you outside that core audience? And, and that's okay. If you, in the core audience, I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of cigars uh, to broaden that. How do you do it and not lose the integrity and the foundation of what the company believes in? And last year I went down to Nicaragua with um, Dion and, you know, so this is a guy that goes down other than maybe, you know, during COVID he's down there every, you know, six, seven, eight weeks. And he literally goes and checks the tobacco that's about to go into the cigars. And they may be rolling 10 different lines that week or, you know, that, you know, that two week period or whatever it may be, uh, you know, certain sizes or maybe certain lines. And he, he checks all the tobacco. And then he's like, yep, good. Yep, good. Absolutely not. Or this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And, and so that was always strange to me. Then I go back and see that's only part of his work. When we, when we walked in there, every single cigar on the line was on the table. 
every single cigar was was rolled in on the in the conference room and and i've got this picture of all these cigars we've got to smoke through in a, in a four-day window and then and then that's so that's part of his homework is okay these are about to go to production the other part of his homework is he goes in through all the polones and he starts smoking stuff that's not ready yet and it just gets on his radar and he'll go from polone to polone and he'll pull out tobacco and he'll roll it up and he'll he'll just start you know lighting it smoking it smelling it and 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 he's like okay you know what make note of this one i i want i want to see what this one happens when it when it's done when it's done the fermentation and he just sits there and goes bail the bail the bail you know on on all these polones and it's crazy it's cra- i've never seen anybody do that uh and and so and then he'll like in this in this particular trip he came across something that was unique and he knows look he's very he knows the tobacco he wants he knows the farm that he wants he knows what areas of the farm he wants uh you know he's got his grading system for all of it and then every once in a while he'll stumble stumble on something as unique as the case when we were there and he stumbled on something unique he's like all right let me bring some of this back and so we bring it back over to the room and he starts rolling it with different types of tobaccos to see what it's going to taste like and we're tasting basically the, him creating a blend and if, if there's anything common in how he he does it as near as i can tell is that he tends to fixate on a specific tobacco that has unique characteristics and he builds around it and he builds around to showcase around that tobacco so it's interesting to watch him he's like a kid in a candy store when he finds something totally different or that's just you know got a different flavor to it and he's like oh my god try this you know and he's like okay i, I got to go play with this and then he's got to go back and he's got to sit at a rolling table and he's got he's got to start playing with it and he builds everything around that way so to say not industry standard is 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 very you know sometimes it's well how do you describe that how do you you know is, is that good is that bad um that's not industry standard i don't see a lot of guys and the polones looking at tobacco that's not even ready yet to see if it should be on his radar or not to build a blend around something like that i just i just don't see that it's not saying guys don't do it it's just that's not a standard most guys are down there playing with tobacco that's already ready to go uh, they may or may not be checking it, you know, depending on the relationship with the factory, depending on their confidence in the factory, uh, depending on how much they want to be involved in the process. And he's involved in every single stage of that. Right. Uh, yeah, so that, it's just, it's interesting to watch. Yeah, he, he takes, you know, there, there are different brand owners in this business. There are brand owners that are manufacturers. There are brand owners mm-hmm. that are blenders. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think he's more the latter, you know, Um I, and it's not a detriment, I think, you know, I, at all by saying he's not a manufacturer. He uses factories and that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. But like you said, he's a, he's a, he he chooses those factories for their precise, you know, for precise reasons and everything. I, I've got to I, I mean, you were on that side of it for years, too, Fred. And I know that you had a I, I know that you had a very hands on approach, too, as mm-hmm. well. Um, mm-hmm. I know you I know you well enough to know that you wouldn't put yourself in the class of classes, Dion, same class as Dion. But what what have you learned um just by watching by watching his process yeah i mean i i definitely wouldn't put myself in a class matter of fact i mean when when the announcement first came up was just over a year ago everybody's like you're gonna blend a cigar with dion and i'm like god no i would just fuck it up you know um <laughs> i mean i just i mean you know one i i don't think multiple people can blend a cigar i i think it needs to be one person's vision and two his palette and skill set is, is so much different so um, what, what I've learned is, is, is basically how patient he is in the process as far as the discovery of it and how much he focuses 
on specific farms and specific areas of farms and specific tobacco that's not even done fermenting, how much he spends in that in that process and how um, he's very unwavering and it, it, it's a pass fail. It's not there's there's no it's good enough. He'll have stuff that he's like, nope, nope, this isn't it, it you know, it's rolled. It's it, it's not exactly what it's supposed to be. And you're smoking it, you're like, it tastes great, you know. I mean, it's good. No, 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 it's it's not, it's not right. So it, I, I keep saying it's, you know, I think it's his greatest skill set, and it's also a little bit of his detriment because I think some stuff could go through that, you know, probably would be just fine and nobody would notice, but he knows what he wants and he it has to be on the nose. And he chases specific tobacco to, to point the new one coming out that's literally just being released right now this month is the new Habano cigar. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is a Habano that is is Dion's interpretation of a true Nicaraguan Habano. To get that tobacco, AJ has that tobacco. AJ, AJ grew that Habano. And so that meant for Dion going to AJ and buying this t- tobacco there, and actually he rolled it at the San Latano factory. Uh, that's where it was done. So that's where it, that's where Dion, you know, blended it, had the tobaccos he wanted, sourced it through AJ, and and rolled it at the San Latano factory. And same thing, he went through the same procedure over there. He wanted specific tobacco. He wanted to make sure that's what was in the cigar. He, you know, and he's he's you know obviously learning. Uh, the mechanics of you know that factory, if you will, uh, but he you know to watch that process and you know so for him to to go to another factory to see because he wanted a, an expression that he couldn't get out of Agnarsa. And look, I think if, you know pound for pound, you put factories against each other. Agnarsa, there's not a bad cigar at that factory. I mean, you look at the brands that are out of there, and and they're solid. They've got some great tobacco, but for what he wanted in a Nicaraguan. Uh, Habano, he he had to go where he felt the tobacco was the best to serve his needs in that blend. And so in a, in a long way to answer your question is it, it's that patience. It's that it's that, uh, you know, when we found some tobacco that that he liked, we rolled them, we brought them all back home. We've been smoking for the last several months on, you know, and now, he you know, he's back. You know, he's gone already done. So that was December. I think he's done three or four iterations, you know, to that since he's been back there on on tweaking that blend as he goes along. So it's just interesting to watch how meticulous somebody can be in that process. And I have to say that I was not that attention to detail. I mean, I would roll it, you know, I'd, I'd have the cigars and I'd have, the, I'd have the different tobaccos and blend them and go, that was it. But I, I can't say that, you know, on necessarily reruns and, and revisiting blends that I was constantly going back and checking the tobaccos for what was going to be rolled that week or anything like that. I was not that, that hands on it. And it's, 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 it's not, um, it's, it's, it's not an industry standard. It's, it's yeah. just not, but he, he knows what he wants. Uh, just to, to I want to go on this line for just one more second, but I wanted mm-hmm. to confirm uh, the cigar that's being released this month is the Illusiona Habano. That's what it's called, correct? There's not a, a different name. Yeah, it. so it's it's actually part of the original documents line. So we're actually doing that. The first repackaging of Illusiona is under the original documents line. So the Habano is a new addition to that line. Uh, Ultra was moved into that line, um, and so Habano is is the new one on there. Matter of fact, the branding the branding is new. So like this is this is a lot of what you'll see. This is and the bands look very similar. I don't know. The band the band's hard to see because this one's a little bit smaller ring gauge, but um, so they're all they're all different colors. 
I don't know if you can see that or not. Yeah, yeah. So yeah there's that, a little bit of glare, but you can see it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is this is the new branding. So this would be the ultra, and the ultra is black. And um, so that you know the everything else is is a different the the, the different so Bono's brown, right? Like a brown to it. The wrapper is, yeah. So the um what's which which people are familiar with the MJ12. So the silver foil, which is the Corojo, is right. there. The Habano actually has in that size, even though we've standardized the size. So now they're going to be Corona Gordos. They're not, they're not MJs. They're Corona Gordos. So we, we, one of the things we did in listening to the retailers at the end, listening to the retailers and decided to make it a little bit easier on everybody. It was all the numbers and letters got a little bit confusing. And in reality, those are numbers for sizes. So, you know, 888 being a Churchill and stuff like that. MJ12 is a Chrono Gordo. Now it's called a Chrono Gordo. But one thing we didn't lose in that process is the foil. So the Corojo still has silver. The Habanos. Yeah, I know, right? I, that's the first thing I said when I'm like, I'm like, do we, because I, I, first I'm like, well, maybe we leave the numbers in the box while we're doing this. And Dion was very much a pull off the bandaid and he's not wrong. Um, but I'm like, I, I just remember, I remember calling like, Please, for the love of God, tell me you're leaving the foil on the front of Gordon's face. So, so the Ultra is is actually uh, uh, purple. The Maduro is black. The Crow is still silver, and the Bono is blue. And the Crow blue and the blue. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I want to get into this a little bit more in detail later because I, I do have some questions around it, uh, which we'll go into our tonight's major point, which is always brought to you by the people. Yes, cigar people, the people who know about a lot. Know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is, but behind, right, not, behind yeah, the fun, that's, that's most of it, though, right? <laughs> that's most of it. <laughs> behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P Protocol Cigars. So Fred, let's take a, take a step back here, just a couple uh, by a few years here, and 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 talk about how how uh, you know your journey into cigars in general and everything. And I know I think I think it's been told on a number of a number of platforms and everything. But um, one of the things that I, I I found pretty unique is going back into just your background is just like like how of of a well rounded person you are. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a there's a lot there's a lot of layers uh to, to Fred Ruby. Uh I mean you've you've you're an author, you are uh you know you've you've had success in the financial world, you've had success in the marketing world, uh you ride motorcycles, uh, you know, you've acted in films, uh, you've uh, there's a lot of things that you've done um uh, in your lifetime, man. I mean it's a it's a it's a life well lived and it it feels like it's not even halfway over. Um but um, it, even though uh, even though we had, I'll, I'll recant a story about one one time when I learned how old you were because I thought I was I thought I was I thought, you were, I thought you were pulling my I thought you were pulling my leg, um, and it was because of you told me the age of your dad too. Which we'll get to that in a second, everything. But um, I, everything that I kind of found before Nomad started everything like was uh, like a couple around a couple of your books, including the Cashflow King, and everything. Was that um, was like the the crisis in 08 and everything and 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 you really helping out people in that regard and, and finding your way out of it. was that was that a was that a, an especially 
challenging yet rewarding time on what you were able to do for business owners and entrepreneurs like yourself or like what like how did the the cash flow king come about like you know we'll talk well, about was, be the lime here in a second but yeah so th- there was actually winning the cash flow war but that was actually before 08 okay so, um so that was after i want to say that was 2004 i wrote it i think it came out in 2005 but um i'm not, I'm not actually i don't really know uh, right around right around that time but um Honestly, that was me post, you know, 98 to 2003, really finally having my shit together financially. And so largely it was written as a give back to, I'd always said in the time, I remember being on the whole, the whole book tour on it and saying, look, there are two things they don't teach you in school. They don't teach you about money and they don't teach you about relationships. And I'm not the guy to teach you about relationships. Uh, but I can give you a head start on money. So the, the book was really written for high school and college kids. And then a college took some of it for a curriculum standpoint. And uh, I ended up actually donating books and time to speak it to high school seniors and some college people, college kids on that book. Um, and the idea was is just, look, here's a, here's a soup to nuts on what you need to know about finance. Uh, it's all the stuff that you wish you learned in school. Uh, and, and if you could just grasp some of it and look, I get it when everybody's young and out the same way, you just think you got a million years, but if you could go back in time, there are just small things you would do at that age that would just change everything financially going forward. And mm-hmm. so that's what, that's what that book was, was for when OA hit it, it kind of had a revision on some of that, but that was for different reasons. I mean, oh, eight was crazy. Oh, eight was weird for me. I mean, oh, eight was like, you know, I had all a lot of eggs and predominantly just a couple of baskets and, and all of a sudden didn't have, you know, a lot to do. I mean, the real estate had crashed and, you know, the market was wild. And, and so I really had to kind of reinvent certain things in 08. And it was, it was an awkward period period because you're almost kind of stripped of your identity a little bit when you're used to doing, you know, if this is what you're used to doing all day and all of a sudden that gets taken away from you mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I, it was a weird identity crisis. And I was, you know, we had a house in North Carolina. We'd just come back from Italy. We're, we're in North Carolina, the middle of nowhere. Um, probably not the best place to be when you're not, not depressed, but you're, you're borderline depressed. Cause you're like, well, who am I? What, what, what am I, what am I doing? What am I, what yeah. am I getting up in the morning? What do I do after I have a cup of coffee? And so um, that was, that was something that, that, you know, revisiting that going, okay, got to find something else to do. I, I had a guy that I knew a long time ago that was involved in a lot of different things. And he just basically said, you know, look, you know, sometimes it's just time to get a new horse, you know, when, when you've already run that one. So um, I just had to go back and kind of revisit my own advice and, and stop feeling sorry for myself and go, okay, look, what do you, what do you want to do? Go find something else to do. You, if you have the tools, you can go do it. You just got to figure out something else. And as far as, you know, my background and doing a million different things, I mean, honestly, I just have a short attention span. I just wanted to try so many things. I mean, so if somebody calls me up, so, you know, I'm going on I'm Ron's fishing trip in a couple of what, a week and a half here uh, down in Isla Mirada. And he did like four captains, four boats. And this is tournament thing with a bunch of cigar guys. And I finally got the call to come do it. I've never done tournament fishing, but it's just like, I'll try it. What the heck? You know, it's the same thing with, you know, flying, flying a stunt what? plane or, or, you know, archery. I took up archery, you know, two years ago or whatever. Just kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll try it. Maybe it'll stick. Maybe I'll just, maybe it'll just all those things I'll just do for a year. And I'll go, okay, well, that was fun. Um, it's kind of like when I did, uh, uh, oh, what do you call that thing? When you go to zip lines, my daughter took me on a zip line and, you know, unbeknownst to me, I'm, I'm not real hot on heights. 
And and unbeknownst to me, at one point in the zip line, it's a, it's it's a literally a half mile long zip line that's probably like 500 feet above a canyon. If she'd have told me that was there, there's no way in hell I would do it. Uh, but now I'm committed. I've already gone on a bunch of the other zip lines, and I'm there. And I'm like, well, okay, you know. So I did it. Will I do it again? No. There's no freaking way I'm going to go up in a zip line again. But uh, it was fun, and I'm glad I did it. So a lot of the things I did um, were just because I just want to try it. Just, just, just to you know, it's not even a bucket list item. It's like why, why not try new things? And that's how you discover, you know, things you're going to enjoy to do and things there. It, it it sounds like you know from I, I've seen you do certain activities like with your daughter quite a bit and everything and it seems like it seems like she's kind of in uh in inherited that kind of that kind of spirit from you a little bit a little bit of adventure uh she's, in her, in, she's more outdoorsy than I am she's she's definitely um she skis she whitewater rafts she mountain bikes um I don't you know she used to ride horses and you know it's all it's all cute when you're when you're when your little girl starts riding horses. <laughs> it's 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 a little bit more terrifying when they you know when they start taking jumps you know when they're jumping horses because you're like okay no big deal and, oh that's cute you know you're filming it and they jumped over a little you know one foot jump two foot jump when they start getting the jumps get higher and higher and the jumps are almost as tall as you and now they're on this it's, it's like <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's terrifying so like she skis now and she's a really good skier she lives out in salt lake and it's like she talks about jumps or being through trees and it's like i i don't want to know this I yeah. really, I really don't want to did know. You have a, did yeah. you have a good day, sweetheart? Thank you. All right. Yeah, cool. exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, did you wear a helmet? I mean, that's, I mean, you know, but you know, yeah. So she's, she's definitely has the outdoor bug. She's, she's very much an outdoor person. She camps. She's, you know, she'll, she'll go camping. She'll live out of the back of her Subaru for a week out in the middle of Moab. You know, I mean, she's crazy. Yeah. And, and I know, you know, you know, Tracy's followed you all over the world too, that she also, she's, she's helped a lot of people along the way. Cause I, I, I remember re, uh, listening to a podcast or a radio interview or something both of you were on this was like early early aughts or something like that mm -hmm. um and like because I, I she was involved in real estate too right and she's also in the finance world and, and everything like that so I, it's uh it, it i think what what's been really great too is that it, it's allowed you guys to kind of live you know live this this really fantastic life where you you've lived all over where i i, I remember hearing one time when you know, someone asked like, where, what's your favorite place on earth? And you were like, you know, I know I'm as a person in the cigar industry. I know I'm supposed to some say someplace in Central America, but Florence, Florence <laughs> is like the Florence is, is it still Florence? Like if, if, like if you had to yeah. pick a lot of the places. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, I mean, if I was the name, you know, but what would be in my top five right now? I mean, Florence, Italy, I love, um, I did really like Antigua, Guatemala for different reasons. I loved following um, you while you live there, man. I just, the the pictures was, alone was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, look, it's, it's like 5,000 feet elevation. It's like San Diego weather all the time. Um, they've still, despite being a massive trek for tourists to go through it, it never really quite felt like that. Um, Cause they still maintain a lot of their culture. So um, that was, that was a really cool city as well. Um, I don't know, you know, but yeah, those are probably still my, my, my top two favorite. I did like Bruges. I went to Bruges like two years ago and I'm like, that was a pretty cool city, but I need more time there. How did you like land? Like for instance, Guatemala, like how did you guys land on it? Like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to spend, what were you guys there? Six months, eight months, a year. Yeah. Yeah. So what, yeah, it was, I, I was, oh gosh, uh, like nine months. I think we were there. So that actually happened in, in, as a lot of things. And certainly in the last, since, you know, 2010, 2012, um, or even a little bit before, 
uh, a lot of them came, you know, cigar industry things. They were just people that I met in the cigar industry that, that say, Hey, you gotta check us out. So I remember the conversation because, uh, I believe it was Tracy's birthday and, uh, James and Angela Brown from black label were over with us at the week. And said, I think it was in San Juan del Sur. And, um, we were talking about they're they're very well traveled as well too, and they've yeah. done a lot of really cool experiences. And we were having a conversation, and they said, "Oh, you need to check out Antigua." And I'm apparently a geographic idiot because I'm like, you know, I'm not real big on islands and beach type thing. And it's like, like, no, we're talking about the city in Guatemala. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so, uh, so, tra- so I don't remember how it happened, but Tracy booked us a trip there for my birthday and so we had this house in antigua for my birthday and then my sister flew down and and her husband flew down as a surprise and then we all hung out for the week and then trace and i just loved the city and we're like okay so let's go back so the next year we went back for like nine months that's awesome that's awesome you know um just to go back and everything so what what i know that you you've you spent, you built a lot of relationships in the cigar industry prior to like even launching the brand of Nomad. And then that obviously built a lot of relationships in that too. Um, we're going to get to uh, your, uh, your morning coffee sessions uh, with, uh, with Avo Uvasian here down, down here on the road a little bit, mm-hmm. but what, uh, what, uh, what kind of led to, to the creation of Nomad? Is it, again, was it this, uh, this sort of tension span thing. They're like, Hey, I think I, I think I can get a crack at it. Or was it, was it, was it a little bit more deeper and a little bit more serious for you? Like, no, it was not serious. It was literally like the kid in the make a wish foundation that thought, Hey, I want to try and do this. So I just, it was, it was no different at the time really than, you know, picking up archery or, you know, picking up, I don't know, paddle boarding or whatever the heck it would be. It was just like, I, and it really was Avo. Avo was the one bothering me about it for years. I say bothering, that's probably not a good word, trying to influence me. Um, and I literally remember always sitting in front of Jeff's shop, you know, around 2005, 2006. And Avo's like, when are you going to start your own cigar company? And I'm like looking at all the cigars in Jeff's shop going, what last thing we need is another cigar company. And so he convinced me to go down the Dominican Republic uh, just on a trip, which I thought was just kind of for fun. But then all of a sudden we ended up in a factory and he was introducing me to different people and tobaccos and things like that. So it really was just a, you know, it's, it's, it's no, no different than when some guys go down on, on a cigar safari type thing or go down to, you know, Drew Estate, Perdomo any you know, AJ's, any of those places, and they kind of get to blend their own cigar. Mm-hmm. And, 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 that, and that's really all it was. Um, and then we're smoking it and it, it, it seemed really good. And I thought, well, you know what, maybe I'll just, I'll, I'll go ahead and, you know, I'll import it and I'll, you know, I'll see if I can sell it and see what it is. And so I shared that experience with people in the cigar industry that I got to know, because I was always that just cigar geek, just like everybody else's. I'm still mostly a cigar geek. I just happen to have a job that also is in the cigar industry. So, um, I shared what went right what went wrong you know and then so i did that then i did another blend and then i thought well if i really want to you know do this and it was still all all just for fun it was still all you know it started selling and then i'm like well i want to go to nicaragua you know so then i went to nicaragua and noel rojas showed me around and showed me a lot of tobacco there and that's when we ended up just by accident we'd you know, picked out some cool tobaccos. We had found one bale of arrow that was really neat. We went back to his house and we got some other tobaccos. We were playing with it. 
and came up with which became the Espoli lot 1386. That was the LE because mm-hmm. we couldn't make anymore. We only had one bale of that Lajero that was very different. That was after an all morning of smoking all these different Lajero stuff, which I could not get to lunch fast enough because we'd gone through a lot of Lajero. And uh, then that came out. And then I thought, okay, well, if I'm serious about doing a production cigar in Nicaragua, who do I like and what cigars do I like? And I was a big fan of uh, AJ San Latano Oval. And um, so I thought, well, I want to do a cigar with AJ. And I'm an idiot at the time. I don't realize that it's not like AJ was putting out cigars for other people. He was doing his own. He had the catalog stuff, but he wasn't doing a lot. So I got a meeting with AJ and it was very clear that he wasn't going to make me a cigar. At least that was my impression of it. And talking to him and Chris was with him at the time. And they were going through the motions of the meeting just to be polite. And (laughs) I I mean, you know, which was nice. They were very respectful. And AJ was throwing me softball questions. And I didn't know that the only, the only person that I know of at the time that was even in that factory was uh, Kendall Culbertson that had outlaw cigar. Mm -hmm. And he was the only one that I know that was actually in there making cigars. And so it's getting close to the end of the meeting. Like the, the, the amount of time that they had to put into this meeting is over and, you know, cause of who set it up. And AJ says, well, what are you thinking? You know, first, you know, sizes are you thinking of doing it? And, uh, I'd already got the lecture of the, there's only so much good tobacco and we're, we're full production and blah, blah, blah. You know, you're a small company. You're just, you know, you're just coming over here. And, uh, I remember thinking, just being an absolute smart ass, but trying to just rely on humor, which is what I usually do. Uh, AJ asked me what I was thinking about sizes and I knew he had the San Latano oval and I know nobody else could, could make that or would make that size. So I literally looked him dead in the eye and I'm thinking of making an oval. And he looked at me like, who the hell is this guy? And then he realized he was joking and he's like, screw it. Let's go make a cigar. <laughs> so- <laughs> So I ended up, I ended up with like, you know, I, you know, flash forward so many years and I ended up with, you know, eight different blends out of there. And AJ was absolutely like the coolest guy to learn from on that. I mean, he was, he was, you know, talented, knows tobaccos, had no problem. I've shared the Omotepe story a million times, so I won't bore everybody with that, but, you know, had no problem forcing me into learning something. And I remember when I would do blends and I'd have blends and I'd, you know, have them and I bring him the end of the day to his office and he'd smoke it and he'd look at the plan and he'd scratch stuff out and hand it back to me and go, now you need to change this and you change that. And I remember the one time that I gave him a blend at the end of the day and he looked at and he says, that's a very good blend. And he hands me back the piece of paper without any written on it. And I, I felt like the fifth grader that wanted to put it on the refrigerator with a magnet, you know, that like you got dad's <laughs> approval or something. So um, yeah, he was great. He was great. I mean, super talented. I can't say anything, I can't say anything uh, bad about that relationship at all it was it was just a lot of fun so the the whole progression of it was really just it was like it was like a hobby that just kind of blew up and again all the while still you know talking on shows or sharing on social media and you know the good the bad and the ugly of things that you know that that went wrong that i did everything i thought that would be easy about the industry was hard and vice versa um you know just having a good cigar is not good enough um, you know, so it was, it was, it was, just, it was always a great experience. And I guess just to, to come full circle on the whole thing, when, when I, uh, I guess almost three years or three and a half years now, uh, when I let Nomad go, I wasn't necessarily looking to get out of it, but the problem was with all the FDA stuff, it was sucking the fun out of it for me. 
it was always a fun experience going on. I loved blending. I loved talking about cigars. I loved handing out cigars, you know? And so to me, the FDA was, was just sucking the fun out of it. So I just finally just kind of thought, well, you know, uh, I, I wasn't looking. And then, and Kristen Powell called me up and said, Hey, you know, would you think of selling Nomad over to us? And I said, you know, and they just happened to hit me at the right time that, you know, I'd already talked to the attorney five times that week over California warning labels or something, something idiotic. And I'm just like, you know what? I, I think I'd just be okay going back to being a cigar smoker. Um, you know, and, and, and just, you know, I, I loved it and met a lot of people. So I, 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 I did let that go. And then, um, I got some great calls from people said, Hey, why don't you come work with us? And, and the reality was it was a short list of people that I liked the cigars and I liked the company. I have a lot of great friends and a lot of, you know, that, that, that have brands and a lot, you know, and, and I like a lot of their cigars and some of the cigars I don't like, which is fine. I'm not going to like every cigar. Um, but it was a pretty short list. And so last year at this time, uh, I, I had declined stuff and last year at this time and Dion, and I had talked for years and Dion called me, uh, February when I was in DR, I was filming the final puff episodes cause I just needed something to do for fun. And, uh, he says, Hey, I, I, I want you to come on board. And then, so we talked about what that would look like. It's awesome. Yeah. I think, you know, during the, during, I remember the last, the last trade show that we were at together with no, with you, uh, uh, head of Nomad and everything. I, re I remember that conversation being very different than any uh, any of our other conversations. Uh, you were you know you were very you, you've always been very constructive about your and and very open about like where your successes and failures and everything in between and everything. But there was there was something about it, and I, I don't think one necessarily led to the other. Obviously, I don't think it was like on your mind to sell at the time, if 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 I remember the timeline correctly, but. Um, but I know you were, you were very constructive about things that you wanted to change and you just didn't know what that would, what that would necessarily would look like, um, mm -hmm. about the way that, you know, the brand was going and everything, uh, just to, um, I mean, but that, but that very next year, you know, you had sold Nomad and everything you were helping Dion in his booth. So I think, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, I know you said you had a lot of offers on the table, which I don't doubt at all, but I think, I think everybody I mean, everyone kind of saw this coming. I think it was like the worst kept secret or best kept, best kept not secret or whatever. But well, you know, it's weird because when when I went and helped out Dion, um, that one, you know, we, we had it was a weird long thing of us talking that we we thought we would do something eventually, but it it all had to line up. It had to, it had to be right for Dion because that's a very tight group as far yeah. as him and his company. It had to be right for me. It had to be on my terms, lifestyle-wise, of what I wanted. Um, so that really wasn't, you know, it, it could have happened then. It didn't. Uh, for like I said, everything really needed to line up. Uh, but it was, it was actually pretty funny watching the rumor mill all along that time. Uh, I remember Coop. I mean, I was down in DR when I was down four weeks earlier before, and I, I was, you know, Manolo Casada. I've known for years, and I love Manolo. He's an awesome guy. And I was at his factory and Manolo was, we were, we were sampling what was going to later become his birthday cigar that year. And Coop was convinced I was going to work with Casadas. I mean, he just, he, he would have bet the farm on it. So it was yeah. just weird. The rumor mill, mills of that. I think I was at Davidoff one day. I went to visit Eladio and I took a picture out front and I'm like, everybody's like, Oh my God, he's going to work for Davidoff. You know? So, um, it, it was, it was pretty funny. I have to say though, I mean, in, in, in all, um, I, I don't even know the word in, in all humility or grace. When um, 
when the announcement came up to work with Illusione and I did a post and 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 Half Wheel posted it and Dion posted something or like that, the amount of comments, you know, you don't know where you are in the industry. And there's been two times I think that I can think of that you realize that you you've left the footprint you want to leave. Uh, one of those times was when the announcement came up and just everybody pouring on of what a great pairing it would be, how, how you know, compliments and stuff like that and how many people are ha genuinely happy, happy for me. Not the guy that wishes you happy birthday because Facebook reminded him that day. I mean, they were just genuine comments. And that, that meant a lot to me. Um, the other time, by the way, was the, the last year that I had Nomad. And uh, I showed up at PCA and the booth had been stored in, in, in a storage facility in Las Vegas. Right. And when we got there, it was stolen. Right. right. They, sto they, they, sto they stole the booth, which they didn't know what they grabbed. They grabbed all the cases and it turns out. So I remember posting, this is 48 hours before the, the booth opened up, the hall opened up. And I did a post about it being stolen. And again, when you realize that you, you know, look, I, I don't say anything bad about anybody. I, I have a lot of respect for everybody in the industry. And I did this post of not having a booth that it was stolen. And I don't know how many companies, like the heads of companies, sent me a message privately saying, what do you need? I've got a graphics guy here in Vegas. I've got somebody that can set up this backdrop booth thing for you to do this, whatever. And literally within 48 hours, I had a whole back wall with my graphics on it because yeah. of those people. Um, and I just don't know anybody that do that. Most people just say, Hey man, good luck. You know, display case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Furniture. I mean, I mean, yeah, it was definitely thrown together, but it didn't, it didn't. Uh, and that I think that's a credit to everybody. Cause I mean, it, it was obviously different than what you'd had in years past, but it was, it wasn't like, it, it was thrown together, but it wasn't thrown together. You could tell that. Yeah, no, it worked. Well, the, the, the furniture was the only thing that was, I think, the constant. That was the only thing that um, was already going to be rented and out there and stuff. But the whole back wall and everything else and the display cases worked great because I already had different display cases. They were just different display cases and put all the stuff in there. And, and it was it was the year, unfortunately, I had a larger footprint. So that that, you know, so it actually worked out well that, that I had because otherwise I would have been like, OK, it's a big open space. And it, and it all worked out well. So like I said, you know, there's, there's, there's times when you realize, um, you know, you, you, you've done the right thing and you've treated people the right way when they're willing to go out of their way and do, you know, what, what do you need? And I, I was really, I almost like both those experiences. Yeah. I think the, uh, the, one of the things that was, I was like really worried. Cause like Fred, you know, I've been a fan of yours for years. I was a fan mm -hmm. of Nomad. I was a fan of your brands. Um, I've really just enjoyed you as a person as well and like i think it was that that conversation that we had the year the next year where you were at dion's booth but you weren't officially part of the company you were just helping him out mm -hmm. and uh i remember a bunch of us were talking afterwards like oh like we're you know again where, where's fred and Leonard? i was like guys i'm i'm kind of worried that he's not coming back like if in official capacity <laughs> i think he'll always be like i think he'll always be connected because like it, it never felt like you left right like you were I, and i think that's <laughs> I think that's one of the one of the biggest successes that you had is that like you had this you really did have a three year absence officially from the industry, but it never felt like you left. Yeah, that was the weird part. I mean, that was the really I mean, it's so weird because I, I think it's just because people didn't have, you know, didn't have guests that week, but they'd have me on the shows and stuff like that. And it was literally like the why are you here for me? I mean, it's just <laughs> kind of like, you know, I mean, it's just. So I remember when it when when the Illusioni thing hit, and then all of a sudden it, it lined up and it does like, well, finally I have a reason to be on one of these shows because it really was, you know, 
um, uh, you know, just an excuse. And actually, I have to say that um, uh, Lito Gomez, actually, I was at an event, I, I don't know, probably about, it was before, before Luciani. So it was during that period. And um, I was at a, at a cocktail party and I just walked up and said hello to Lito. And then I was kind of exiting because he was with a bunch of people, but I just, you know, kind of one of those, one of those flybys we just go, hey, Lito, I just want to say hi real quick. And then I start walking off and he grabs me and he introduces me to these people that are, that were some people uh, in the DR government people or whatever they were. And he introduced me as he said, Fred, he said, Fred, this is Fred Rui. He's probably, you know, one of the truest ambassadors of the cigar industry or something like that. And oh, I, me- I remember, I remember walking off thinking, you know, if that's what I have to be, I'm okay with that. I yeah. mean, I, I, I was okay with it. And it was kind of a little bit, probably what planted the seed a little bit of doing the final puff interviews where I thought, well, what can I, what, if, if, that, if, that, if that's kind of my pseudo role, which doesn't pay anything and, and doesn't really do anything, um, what could I give back? So I still kind of had this piece after Nomad and all my experiences and getting to meet all these people, I wanted to give back. And so when I did the, 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 the uh, interviews for the final puff, um, I, in my mind, and the only person that knew about that, by the way, was Matt Booth, because I was in Spokane, Washington for the summer, and Matt, Matt and I would hang out like at the lake or whatever. And I told him, I'm like, I've got this idea for, for a show. And he says, oh, you're going to do a cigar show? And I'm like, well, no, because I said, there's a lot of guys really doing cigar shows as well. But I got this idea of doing these interviews. And I said, because I've been to dinner with Lido and Hanky and, and, you know, Nurka Reyes and, and, you know, and, and so I thought, I think I could do a sit down interview with these people that is very low key, not what's your latest cigar you're releasing and things like that and talk, you know, half about their life and half about cigars. And so that was kind of the seed that planted for that. And that was kind of a, I guess that ambassador type role was to go to just to give back. There weren't any sponsors. There wasn't, you know, there was no revenue. I, I paid for the whole thing myself. Uh, the only thing I got out of the old free shirts from Untuck It that said it found out I was doing is, hey, can we mail you, you know, can we mail you 20 shirts and you can wear our shirts in the show? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'll take free shirts. And so um, I'm really proud that, that, you know, if somebody is smoking a Fuente or whatever and they want to, you know, hey, did you see this interview Fred did with Carlito? I'm like, humbled by the fact that Carlito is floored by the interview, the fact that he gave me the attention and that he loves it. He plays it in, in, in Banau. It's it actually in the Hemingway house on a loop. Um, you know, just how much he, he, he thanks me every time he sees me. He's like, I've got this, something to give my family that people can see me because he didn't do a lot of interviews that way. Right. And so um, that's when I step back and go, wow, okay, this is a gift to cigar smokers that hopefully they get a little piece of what I got out of the industry and what I got getting to know these people. And, uh, that was, that was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, I took a lot of inspiration from our conversations over the years in cigar shops, Fred, to translate over to this show, because I think we talked, we, we talked a lot about cigars. We did talk a lot about mm-hmm. Nomad, of course, over the years, but I think it, 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 it extended well beyond that. And that's, you know, where I got to know you as a person and and why we loved cigars in the first place and you know and it was and it really was it really came down to the people which was which was kind of yeah the, it's the whole culture of it yeah for sure I think that's the kind of the impetus of the show is just like I I mean I lo- I can nerd out and I know you can too we can nerd out about rapper binder filler all day and 
but it's the, it, I always, I've always wanted to ask like different questions, you know, of just like people and stuff. And um, we'll get to the, some of your interviews with the final puff. I think that, that are, that are definitely want to definitely really interested in talking about, but before we take a a quick break here, I know you've got a fun thing that you want to share with it, but I I do want to go into your, uh, your newest position here with Luciana. So your official title is brand strategist, if if Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm correct. So, Mm -hmm. um, you, you showed a little bit of the the new the new boxes here, and then the singularity that you're smoking as well with the new packaging. That was, um, I think that was met with. Uh, I, I think I think critical acclaim. I think is still an appropriate term at last year's trade show. I think there were people that were, I think there was mixed uh, reviews on it. Um, I kind of wanted to wait and see uh, as it's starting. To, I know it's starting to roll out now, mm-hmm. what it would mm-hmm. look like and everything. Because I, I I mean I was such a fan of it, but. Um, how how much of a how much of a piece did you have in that? I mean, is that why he brought you in, or was the decision already no, made? No, or, okay, no, actually, no. The decision was already made. I can't take credit for. I'd love to take credit for it, but to be honest, um, Dion had that in the works for a long time. He he he's known that he wanted to do it. He knew that he, the vision of what he wanted. So I, you know, last year trade show was largely me saying, you know, when he was, you know, someone's like, oh, Fred, you did a great job, and they're like, no, I I did none of it. I, I actually did none of the branding. I wish I did, but I did. Um, so, you know, look, brand strategist was really just because we couldn't come up with a name. Like Dion said, okay, what about a title? And I'm like, no idea. And we talked about what I would do, <laughs> but I mean, and he's like, so he sends me this what's, list. What's wrong with like, Fred? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, he sends me this list of like 30 titles and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to find what is the biggest 30,000 foot level that's nondescript. And so we settled on brand strategist. Uh, I think really more, more illustrative what it is though, so that it doesn't take anything away from Dion is really just more brand communications. Um, as far as what is the communication between the brand and the consumer, between the brand and the retailer, between the brand and the sales staff, not sales oriented, because we have a sales manager for that. But I, I think that's more probably a, a proper um, a proper uh, barrel to put me in. Uh, mm-hmm. There's got to be a better word than barrel, but let's just go with that. Um, you know, it's, it, it's more of a voice. It's more of doing like things like this. It's more of the events. It's the things that look, Dion's highest and best use time is doing the cigars. Plus, he also has his own shop in Reno. So it really just became someone that can go out that is not taking Dion's place not having more exposure than Dion. I love Dion doing what he does. And I also know from a lifestyle standpoint, what he's not going to do. And I don't, I don't begrudge him that one, one bit. Um, so I just more become the voice of that on a regular basis. It's not that Dion does this. As a matter of fact, we pushed him in, in, into some other stuff a little bit, but it's really more the communications of, of getting the message out there in a way and having fun with it in the process, whether it's, whether it's, you know, the social media, um, Dion always introduced me as the social media guy. And I kind of always cringe on that because I'm thinking I'm doing a lot more than that, but okay, let's just, let, let's go with that. Um, you know, so it's, it, but it's, whatever it's, it's box. Whatever box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I actually have on my notes to talk to him about that because, you know, uh, it, 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 it really is the communication of the brand and getting awareness out there a little bit. And, and, and I, I flash back to a conversation that Dion and I had probably over two years ago now. And I remember being at, 
at, at a cigar bar and just, there's not a lot of tables. And I remember sitting at a table with, with eight random guys that also didn't have a place to sit. And we had just three, four hours of great conversations about different cigars and boutique cigars. And this group largely, with the exception of maybe one guy, largely they knew tobacco. Like they were rattling off stuff. They're watching shows like this. They're watching, they're reading, you know, different blogs and things like that. And I remember I was, I happened to be smoking in a Lusbiane and I remember like four of the guys going, oh, I haven't tried one of those. I've heard of that brand. And I remember thinking, how have you not tried this cigar? If you're really a cigar geek and you're really reading up on this, how have you not tried one of these cigars? And I remember going back to, yeah. And I remember going back to Dion and talking about that, of the, that whole circle of friends, if you know, you know thing. And it's like, how do we get more people to know about it? Because this is in 2005. There's a lot more cigars on the shelf. There's a lot more brands out there. I've always said that marketing plays a bigger part of this industry than most cigar makers are willing to admit. And I'm not, I'm not saying Dion, I'm just saying as a general category, mm-hmm. um, because we've seen great cigars fail because of marketing. We've seen mediocre cigars succeed because of marketing. And so I think it's just about, so I, you know, my conversations with Dion long before I was even going to be working with them was like, look, how do you find more roads for people to start trying the cigars? So whether that sparked some of what he did several years ago on, on the rebranding and stuff. And look, I mean, I, I get it. I, you know, pe- people that are already in that circle are like, Hey, I don't like change, man. I, I, I like the numbers. I like the letters <laughs> and stuff like that. I, I get it. And, and trust me, there's a fondness for me too. That's like, Hey, I like my 888. You know, I like my crow 888. The reality of the situation is, is that with, look, there's a lot of retailers that are, are fairly hands-off. They don't walk into a humidor. I've seen you work the humidor. I've seen you in a shop and you do it right because you understand that, you know, your job is a concierge for that person to help them find their cigar and help them find a cigar that they may not know about that's going to be a great cigar for them. But there's also a lot of retailers that don't do anything. They sit behind the car's register. They never walk into the humidor. They're never helping their people. And so you're left to what's on the shelf. And so if I was to objectively look at, you know, Illusione and some of the brands out there, one, a lot of brands have gone through the repackaging already. And it's it just gets lost on the shelf. Now, imagine I only hear the name Illusione and I walk in and I'm like, Somebody told me to pick up an Elysiana and I walk in, I'm like, well, do I want a C4L17888999? So there's confusion there. So I think this is really what retailers have been asking for a long time. Mm -hmm. And most of the response we got from retailers were, thank you for giving us something. The new presence is great. The color coding, the coins, the, the, you know, the block, if you will, which we have a block of the OD and the, you know, and, and the re the reimagining and repackaging of the other ones to look, to just pop off the shelf a little bit more, you know, Singulari, which w- was an annual blend comes out to a core, you know, a, a blue box. So, you know, sitting on the shelf, it's just a lot easier to see that and identify mm-hmm. it and remember it, you know, and that's the thing, what, what, what can people remember? And so, uh, you know, I, I can't take any credit for that, but I like, what he's done is that he hasn't give up the vibe that's Illusione. I love the conspiracy theory on, on the you know, original documents line. I love that. I want to double down. Why we created the coins. You know, I went to Dion and said, hey, I, you know, I'd really like to do some coins. And he's like, man, everybody's done coins. 
I'm like, yeah, but I want to do it a little bit different. I wanted, I don't want to do one coin. I said, you know, I, I want to do five coins and I want one coin for each of, of the ODs. And then I want to do what's called the Raven coin. And the Raven coin is, is the rare one. And it's, it's this one. And so nice. today, to date, I've only given out two Raven coins. Uh, there have been people that got, you know, we did a, a thing at Smoke In and people could get any coin and they had a chance to win a Raven coin. Um, but the Raven coin to me is that like, if you have a Raven coin, that's going to come with extra, some extra special stuff when we run into and stuff like that. So that's I cool. want to keep that. I mean, my original plan, by the way, was literally that I, I wanted to have somebody in like PCA's booth. And like, I wanted like the skulls. I wanted you to get back to your room and you reach in your pocket and you're emptying your pocket. And like, where the hell did this coin come from? And like, we, you know, come down, like, I have no idea. I've never seen it before. And then you get this like mysterious package in the mail. That's like, you know, postmark from, you know, I don't know, you know, Bolivia or something. I don't know, some weird country, you know, Madagascar <laughs> and it's plain paper bag. And there's like an Illusiona t-shirt in there and stuff like that. So we are doing more of those things, but we're putting our own spin on it. They're very sure. limited, you know, whether it's t-shirts or hats or things like that, because people want that, but I don't want, I never want the swag or the fun to necessarily come ahead of the cigars. It's just another way for people to discover and, and, and be that inner circle fan, if you will. Um, and, and that's been fun. The, the coin stuff's been a lot of fun lately. And then, you know, whether we do, we do, we roll into certain events where we have like this little ESP pack and it's a little 10 pack that everybody's trying, you know, tries to get, and we'll bring them an event and actually have them for sale occasionally at events and stuff like that. So oh, um, cool. I, I, I love that. I love that vibe, and I don't want to lose anything that built him built him in there. And I really think with the the new graphics and stuff like that, he still holds on to that. Just makes it a little bit more accessible for everybody. Yeah, I thought that. I mean, you can understand my theory about why you, you were brought in during this time because it, mm -hmm. it the our last con again our last conversation at PCA when you were with Nomad was talking about how you were going to, you, this, this change was going to come for you. You were going to make this change because there was, you wanted a more cohesiveness within yeah. your own brand and yeah. fast, fast forward till this past year's PCA. And then you're, you're, you're giving me this talk and I'm like, it, it was like, it was almost like I blinked and I was back three years prior and having <laughs> that same conversation. So it like, it seemed very perfect to, to me. And I was like, what, there's no one better to to have whether whether it's intentional or not where you were like you said you weren't involved and i totally believe you uh and this was all this was all spearheaded by him and and he's been he's given the retailers what they've wanted for years you're the perfect person for it regardless because you well, understand, that, you understand think, the plight you know yeah and i think that's why he thought the timing was right i i it made sense because it would have been much you know he, he he's going on to this new thing and he's like okay i'm gonna need somebody to help bring that message out and with with all that and so i think that that's when things lined up for both of us because i think it would have been a little bit tougher uh, you know without without some of that it doesn't mean it couldn't be done but i think it would you know it, it makes my job easier no definitely i i I do, I do like it from a retail perspective because I think you know. To your point about my my time in retail, one of the uh, one of one of the f more fun brands I loved taking people to was Illusione, and talking to them about like the MJ12 and the the foil and everything. And and I'm glad that the foil is still going to be there because, like you said, oh, uh, it, I can't tell it, you how happy I was about that. <laughs> oh man, I was uh, when I. I I think you answered it before I had a chance to ask it at, at PCA or, or Dion answered it before I had a chance to ask it because like I was, that was like my, that was like my only thing. Like, I'm like, okay, 
get the new labels to get it. All right, cool. All right. The foil, <laughs> like <laughs> just yeah, make sure yeah. it's still on there. Um, yeah. It just seemed very, it's one of those things. It was like, it was one of the iconic things about, uh, about Illusion for, mm-hmm. for me, for all, all the years that I've been smoking it and everything. Um, what you, I guess the, the, mis- the, what you all lose in the mystique, because I think there was a lot of mystique behind it because of the numbers and the letters and things like that mm-hmm. and the, the hidden meaning. And for it was like an inner circle of people who know. And I, I think it's becoming more inclusive, which is, I think, is obviously the goal and everything. The, the, even though you guys are losing that to a certain extent, I think that what you gain by bringing more in will, mm-hmm. will ultimately, you know, ultimately be, um, ultimately be the reward, I guess, just because more people will be introduced to these, these great blends that have been introduced to the, the inner circle, if you will, over the last, you know, over the last decade plus. Yeah. And look, there's still a lot of, of hidden, hidden stuff in there. There's still a lot, even with the new rebranding. So, you know, the trick now is, is for me to figure out how is that message and Dion and I have some cool stuff we're doing next month. That's going to uh, get that out there in, in a way that, that explains different things to people. But um, there's still, I mean, you know, it, it's not, you know, everything, everything he does, you know, like, you know, a singularity and stuff like that on there, which, you know, was an annual blend that became a core blend. I mean, so it's, it's basically, you know, I was like, oh, he's got an owl on there and stuff. Well, you know, the, the blue and gold packaging is a tribute to the owl, uh, owl of Ramses who, the owl of Ramses basically is, is you know, he the owl uh, slapped Ramses in the face and uh, got banished. The owl was banished, and so so there's stuff behind a lot of the this stuff there that's still really there, and there and there's more coming. That's awesome. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to try the Habano, um, because I I really like to see. I'm really anxious to see Dion's take with AJ's tobacco. I think that's, I mean, for anyone who nerds out on this stuff, I mean, that's, that's gotta be something that people are really excited about. Cause I think there are a lot of people, I know a a handful off the top of my head too, that people don't like AJ blended cigars for one reason or another, but I, I think that you can have, whenever you involve different people, it, 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 it brings a different characteristic. Like Nick, for example, Nick Melillo, has worked with AJ as well. And actually very similarly has worked with Agonorsa too. And his AJ products are, are different than other AJ products. And I'm a fan. I'm not one of those people. I actually do like AJ cigars. Um, well, but I, I, think- I, I do too. I do too. And like I said, Nomad, Nomad had eight out of AJ, but I will say that, you know, I can smoke most cigars out of that factory and you can, you can pay, there's a signature in there. I mean, and, and that's mm. true of most factories, by the way, there, there is a, a signature in there though that a lot of times if you, if you smoke enough cigars and you're familiar with the factory, you can get, I, 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 you know, I off the record live on, on, on the show, um, which isn't possible. <laughs> um, it, it, it was, it was a concern of mine um, for two reasons, really. Uh, one, a lot of guys doing cigars out of AJ's um, mm-hmm. now. And so, you know, the, the whole not industry standard, you know, it, that kind of goes against the grain uh, I think a little bit of, of Dion going over there, but Dion was actually more focused on the tobacco and the person behind that, not AJ, but the person that was in charge of the tobacco over there. So AJ was, or uh, Dion was focused on that. 
my second my second concern on that other than a just pure marketing thing which you know it is what it is um was is he gonna blend something that doesn't taste like an aj cigar um and I, look i don't think that's bad i there's a lot of cigars i love out of that factory that definitely have that signature on there the Habano does not have that signature. It's very much Dion. It's very much, you know, it could have been any factory that Dion got off all those tobaccos, but it's the tobacco. He wanted, he wanted a very specific tobacco that was very, very high quality. And that's where he had to go for it. And, and it does not taste like, you know, it does not have that signature. And I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying that's bad. It's just, if I'm sure. looking at the portfolio objectively for Dion, that would not necessarily be the first place I would want it to go. Um, and, and look, Dion knows that Dion, Dion, you know, if Dion wanted to blend something more of that signature, he would, uh, he blends it for what he wants. And so I was, sure. I was happy the first time I had the Bono going, oh, okay, this, I, I wouldn't have known, I would not have known that was an, an AJ cigar. And I'm a guy that knew AJ tobaccos pretty well, you know, you obviously go. not as much, not as much as some, but certainly more than others. Well, I, I think to, to your con- point of your concern and everything, I think that, I think that his fuck it i'm going for the i'm i don't i don't care who has it right I, this it's the tobacco i think that it like to your point is the non-industry standard part of it and yeah you know it could have yeah. been anybody like you said but it just happened to be him and he's got a shit ton of it man so like he's got a shit ton of tobacco yeah. and so like i mean yeah. that's why a lot of people are flocking to him it's um you know i i, I recognize that and that's you know a lot of you know a lot you know there's some people that are down on it because of because of the signature, if you will, but at the same time, you know, if, if he's got the keys, if he's got the keys to, to, to what you need, then, you know, he's the, he's the guy to know. And he's got a, he's yeah, got a crap look, ton look, of that. So. I mean, and every, you know, look, I mean, I can, I can pretty much spot a Papine cigar, you know, I mean, there, yeah, there's, a, there's, a sign, there, there's a signature to that. There's a signature mm-hmm. to Davidoff. There's a signature to to even even several of the other boutiques. Um, and, and like I said, it's it's not necessarily bad. Um, you know, it's just it, it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Well, want to take a quick break here. We got a couple of fun segments to break up the evening. And then uh, uh, Fred's going to share uh, something with us here in just a few moments as well. So really looking forward to uh, that here. But uh, let's break things here with our United Cigar uh, presidential trivia segment. Don't worry, Fred. It's multiple choice, uh, which is always brought to United Cigars featuring La oh, no. <laughs> distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united now as i mentioned at the top of the show fred you have imdb credits uh which actually uh means you share uh something with the very first president that was ever in a motion picture which is an imdb credit Uh, so who was the very first president to appear in a motion picture was it a teddy roosevelt b william mckinley or c woodrow wilson uh who was a teddy roosevelt I'm going Teddy Roosevelt. So that's a really good guess. Teddy Roosevelt actually had a lot of his life documented. <laughs> that, that, on was film. A ni- that was a nice way to say you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, but he had a lot. There was a, I, I put Teddy Roosevelt in here because there was a lot of his life that was actually captured on film. There was actually the, I mean, you probably, I don't know if this is officially correct, but it was probably like the very first documentary uh, okay. ever, um, which was actually. Then I'm, going, then I'm going with Wilson. It was actually William McKinley. 
believe it or not. His inauguration. That was my third, was my third guest, by the way. That was my third guest. <laughs> William McKinley's inauguration was actually on film, was actually on film. And he, uh, uh, he took the oath of office on film. He was the first president to ever appear in a motion picture, which is crazy. Um, you think about uh, when you think about it. But uh, Woodrow Wilson was the first president to ever actually have a film uh, play uh, in the White House. So he yeah. had set up okay. the theater. And so, um, so some what some year was that? Uh, Wilson was uh, Wilson or McKinley? McKinley. Uh, McKinley's inauguration was in. Uh, Gosh. Um, um okay, never mind. No, no, I have this. Uh uh <laughs> it's the one thing I didn't commit to commit to Maria. I knew the um was it oh one? It doesn't matter. Nineteen oh one. Nineteen oh one. Yeah. Okay. So uh but uh it it was it's really cool that when you think about like I mean we're here in twenty twenty three. And that, you know, film has come such a long way and everything, but it, it's it's kind of hard not to imagine presidents on radio or film. And there was a time where mm-hmm. there it, it just it it just didn't exist. It was such a foreign concept yeah. and everything. That was that was probably a better time. Now that I think about it, <laughs> I, I would I would I would love to see uh, Lincoln Douglas debates on television, though. That would have been fun. Mm. That would have been fun. Um, mm-hmm. mostly because they were just interesting characters and interesting looking people. Mm-hmm. Um, Teddy was a very interesting looking person too. Like the people just looked a lot, uh, looked a lot. They were a lot more entertaining by looks and everyone has this kind of like, they need to bring back beards. Politician needs to bring back beards. I know I'm biased obviously, <laughs> but like, you know, hats, hats need to come back in style. Facial mm. hair needs to be okay. Like, I'm okay with someone sporting like a Chester Arthur. I think someone could rock that pretty good, you know? Uh, yeah, I'd vote for that person. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, I know you've cut it in recent years, but, you know, you rocked the long hair for years. I mean, why, you I know, why, why, do, why do we have to have a short-haired president? You know, like, why does it have to be all clean cut and everything? That's right. Yeah. I mean, let's let reflect the, 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 the status of our times. More people are rocking five o'clock shadows and, you know, there's that's a little all, bit That's more. all I have. That's all I have is the permanent five o'clock shadow. <laughs> Have I've you ever like grown Don Johnson? I have a Don Johnson razor that keeps it this length like every other day. So yeah. <laughs> um no, I I have I, I I did a beard. The beard didn't look good. I did a goatee for a long time. Well, long time, couple of years probably. Um I I just prefer this. This is like so low maintenance, it's easy. Yeah, I my mo- my mother always asks me when I'm going to shave, and I'm like, "Mom, you realize that I've had a beard longer than you've known me without facial hair, right? You understand that?" Wow, she's like, "That's that not." She, yeah, it's been that long. She's like, wow. "It's like it's." She's like, "That's not true." And I was like, "Think about it. Let's do some math here." Right. You know. Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 40 this year. So. <laughs> Are you I've, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna be 40 this year. I'm gonna um the. I've had facial hair. I've had facial hair, uh, uh, basically of some kind since I was thirteen. I had a chin goatee when I was thirteen. I I rocked that for a little. I could not grow hair until I was probably twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> no, I started shaving when I was way too young. But I mean, I I mean, I had to. My my dad tried to put it off as long as possible. But when the peach fuzz just started looking like basically what you have now, a five o'clock shadow, right. when I was you know very very young he's like okay we got we got to do something <laughs> we got to do something here 
I think I had like the Ralph Macchio disease and couldn't like grow any facial hair all through high school and most of college. <laughs> so I think, well, I mean, what I ran into in college too, was like the people that, or even, even in my younger twenties and stuff were the people who tried to grow facial hair and shouldn't like, I also think that yeah. that's, that's, that's an important limitation to understand for some people and they just don't get it. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you can't grow it, that's fine. Like don't try. Cause it just looks bad. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've never tried to grow anything really long, but I know I couldn't have that beard. Like, it's just, it's not that thick. I, I, I couldn't do that. Well, like also, when, most of my gray is in here. Like, this is mm -hmm. most of my gray. Like, my hair is not really that gray, but um, this is where most of my gray is. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah my, my top of my hair, I have a few gray strands, but yeah, all my gray is in my beard. All of it's in my beard. That's crazy. So, okay. Like, I... I, but like when you have it in, in facial hair and then you go without it, like, I mean, even for the, I guess, couple of days that he had without a mustache when Carlito Fuente shaved for, mm -hmm. you know, for his daughter's mm -hmm. charity and stuff like that was just weird. Like, that was, yeah, yeah, that was weird. There, there are yeah. just some things that just shouldn't happen. <laughs> well, especially if that's all you've seen. Right. You know, I'm at, I mean, imagine somebody like, you know, what, like Tom Selleck, like shaved or something like that. Or, or, oh, oh no, the guy, um, Sam Elliott, you know, thank you. I was just thinking, that's what I was thinking. You know, Sam Elliott has looked Sam Elliott age for 50 years. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't even know how old he is. He's just got this perpetual, uh, know. I'm watching him right now in, uh, in 1883. Mm -hmm. And, you know, other than, you know, Physically, he's obviously, you know, older and, and his movements a little bit older. Um, you know, his voice is the same. His face is, you know, obviously right. looks a little bit older. But for the most part, all you see is the mustache anyway, you know, and the facial hair. So he, he still looks the same as he's always looked to me. I, he, I, I, was a, I was a big fan of the Netflix show, The Ranch, you know, with him and Ashton Kutcher. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I, loved, I loved his character in that, in that series. And, but to me, it, it was... He he still hadn't changed from Tombstone, which was twenty five years ago. He's always been the same guy. Yeah, he's always been the same guy. It's <laughs> yeah. just it's crazy. Like, uh, you know, there are some people that like don't age, like Tom Cruise, who's sixty. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. You know, Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, Jennifer. An like Brad Pitt is up there too. Brad Pitt's oh, yeah. almost sixty too. He's you know, I yeah, I think Brad Pitt's older than you. Um, which is you know. You, and you don't Could look be. your age too, which we've we've look we we uh, we hinted at, at the top of the show. Uh, actually, that's a good time to talk about this story briefly. So, like we were we were sitting in the cigar shop once, and you're talking about how you you when you the year you turned fifty, and you're like, yeah, me and my dad did something that was really cool because I turned fifty and he turned seventy, and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, wait, time out, what? <laughs> you have a set, your father is seventy years old. He's like, yeah, my fa your father, you know, my <laughs> my dad. And I'm younger than you, like I just said. Like I'm turning forty this year. My dad is older than your dad. <laughs> My dad was twenty years old when I was born. So, which isn't like like it's not. I mean, yes, it's 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 younger. It's it's young, it's young but, but it's, it's not unheard of. Yeah, yeah, it's not like you know he had me when he was fourteen or whatever. So like, yeah. it wasn't that crazy. And I would, but I was just like, oh my god, a fifty-year-old man has a, a father that's younger than my father. It was just. <laughs> yeah well now i'm now i'm as of last monday i'm 57 so uh which starts to get real close to 60 but um it is what it is you know um so uh, you are you are younger it. than brad pitt because i think i think brad pitt's 58 oh good i got that yeah, going for me that's crazy 
but you don't look 57. You didn't look 50 then. You don't look 57 now. And I'm not just saying that because we're talking. Like you, you've no, it's good. You, you didn't say, hey, you don't you don't look 57. Ten years ago, you looked 57. But I mean, at least you didn't have like one of those comments. So yeah, we're good. <laughs> have you always like? Have you always just had a like? Have you always had a younger a younger face? Like you said, I know. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. You grow facial hair. Yeah, I want to. I want to call all the girls to turn me down in high school and college and go look at me now because I've seen their photos with their husbands. You know, so I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm 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 okay with. It didn't help me younger. It's probably, you know, it, it's, it doesn't help me now, but it's like, right. you know, it, look, I'd like to say it's clean living, but it's, it's just genetics. It's just dumb luck, you know, yep. but my wife, my wife's older than me, but by six months, she turned 40 a couple of weeks ago. We, we celebrated by going, we went down to sea world. She got to swim with beluga whales. That's what she wanted to do. Oh my gosh. So I didn't yeah. know you could do that. You can swim yeah. with beluga whales. Yeah. Sea world. Oh. Yeah. There's an experience you can do that. So wow, um, take that dolphin. Yeah, and they're they're actually much nicer than dolphins. So believe it. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. I, yeah. If you want to, if you if you if you want to do it, I I like a roommate, and she had a great time. I will tell you this: that like, dolphins are used to warmer water. So when you swim with dolphins, it's warm water. When you're swimming with belugas, they're used to colder water. So the oh, okay. water was right. was water was about fifty degrees. Oh, okay. So yeah, so uh, thank God she had the wetsuit on because she's like, give it. And my my wife is tough as nails, dude. Like she she did it with a group of people, right? We're like talking about like there there were some several guys in there like that had a little machismo to them, but they were all but like when everyone got into the water, she was the only one that didn't wince. I was like, I was like, like, yep, that's my wife. Fantastic. Yeah, she's she's a baller. That's Um, great. But um, but that was I, I know we've got off top. That was our presidential uh, uh, trivia segment oh, yeah, sponsored right. by <laughs> sponsored by United Cigars, uh, featuring La Giana Havana and uh, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay Byron. And now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living United. Uh, stay tuned uh, to uh, as we get into the summer. We'll we'll be launching uh, Twenty Days of Freedom. Um, we haven't quite come up with a, a good tagline for it, but we'll be watching the 20 days of freedom sponsored by United cigars. We'll be smoking a United cigar each day for 20 days, uh, because there is a perfect box. United cigars come in a box of 20. It's perfect. So if you want to celebrate every day from flag day to July 4th, our, in our nation's independence day, that is 20 cigars that you can have 20 United cigars. We'll be doing that. We'll be talking more about details around how you can participate, uh, coming up this summer. So Jay, uh, stay tuned here and to the United cigar pages on uh, social uh, media, and you can learn more about it and how you can uh, be part of the United movement. So smoke one today and start living United. Now, uh, Fred, I'll let you get set up here in a second. You had something that you wanted to share with our audience this isn't going to translate over to the podcast, but I think it's pretty cool that uh, something we we talked about how how well rounded of a person you are, you know, comedian, writer, you know, film credits, author, businessman, extraordinaire, brand strategist. Now you picked that out of the thirty choices of uh, of title we that did. you could have we with did. the Louisiana Cigar. We and, did, uh, we did, and man about town and cigars. Um, so, but uh, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know you were a magician too, but is this apparently, a, is this um, one of the new things to add to? No, no. Well, well, one, I'm not a magician. I'm just a guy that likes playing around with the uh, cards and stuff. But um, so I used to really, when I was a kid, and I think every kid liked magic, you know, tricks and stuff like that. So I, uh, I did a bunch of when I was a kid and then I did a little bit, it, you know, throughout life, but I didn't, I didn't really keep up on it, but 
I would always be infatuated by it. I'd always watch it and stuff. I always thought it was really cool, you know, whether it's Penn and Teller or, you know, even, even the classic magicians. So um, a friend of mine who passed away, and, I, and, and you know him actually too, as well, Frank Seltzer. And Frank oh, Seltzer gotcha, actually Frank. really, really was a, a magician. He really could do all that stuff. I mean, he was a member of the Magic Castle and all that stuff. And so, um, so Frank passed away, right, you know, when the COVID was, was, was getting uh, rolling there and stuff and not due to COVID. And so when we would go down to Pro Cigar, which I've gone down every year, and I go Christian Hudson from Just For Him's uh, Smoke Shop in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, Frank, and it would always be the three of us there every year. And Frank always brought down some tricks. He'd always have some sort of tricks and stuff like that. And he always wore, you know, his stupid Hawaiian shirt, you know, several <laughs> nights there. And so when Frank passed away and Christian and I went down there, Christian and I went out and got some Hawaiian shirts and went down there to wear them in, in his honor. And I picked up starting to do more card tricks again because I wanted to, to just bring it down to the guys that were down there and stuff and, and have these card tricks. And so when COVID hit and everybody like was doing something practical, like learning another language or doing their doctorate <laughs> or, or, or reading the rest of Stephen Hawking's books or something like that, I was just playing around with cards and coins and stuff like that. So I started to try to do some of that again. So I was going to try to do one for you via Zoom, which I've never done. And I haven't really done much of this trick, but I'm, I'm going to try it. And, and and if it fails, it fails miserably uh, to deck cards. And uh, but if it fails, then you know what? That's just that's part of the process. But uh, if I can get the cards out here. Here we go. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to show you the cards and I think, you, yeah, you can see the cards. OK, so yeah, I'm going to show you the cards. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna show you the cards, and I just want you to think of a card. Don't tell me what the card is. Just pick one out. I'm gonna I'll, I'll fan the deck out, and you just you just pick a card, and you tell me which one. It, you're, don't don't tell me, but just memorize one of these cards. Okay, okay. so just just pick it up. Oh, hold on, let me get counter there. You got one? Like no 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 no. Go to do it again one more time. One more time. Okay, go ahead. Okay. All right. So I'm just gonna put it back in the box, and I'll try to get closer to the camera here. So all right. So here we go. All right. So can you see the box? Absolutely. All right. So try to pivot in light. So what was your card? You want me to tell you? Yeah, you can tell me. Two clubs. Two clubs. All right. So ready? And shake the box. And there. Oh, is that two clubs? No. Are you sure? Yep. Do you no. want me to tell you what it is? Oh, hit the box again. Nope. Hit the box again. Come on. Come on. This is hard to do, like, at this angle. There it is. It's kind of right there. It oh, dang. There it is. Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to do at that angle. All right. It half worked. We're going to get, we're going to get half credit for it. <laughs> the queen, of, the, I, 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 the queen of hearts was in there. Uh, that was the one that, the first no, one actually, that you showed. No, actually, and actually that's what that's so normally what I do on that trick. And, and once one person, what it is, is that I actually have the wrong card come up and then I go like that. And then the right card, right cards right there. Oh, or nice. what if it's but yeah, it, it didn't work. The I Queen of Hearts is my I second choice. I, I saw the two clubs and I was like, this perfect. Angle. I, I can do it like here. I haven't tried it like there. So it didn't work. Nice. So in the podcast, in the podcast, though, if you're watching the podcast, it worked. If you're listening to the podcast, it worked flawlessly. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just fooling everyone who's listening later. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Um, I, man, I, my dad, my dad had this one card trick. He, my dad wasn't a magician or anything like that, but he, we played a lot of cards growing up and he taught me a lot about cards and gambling and stuff like that. And he had this one card trick that took me forever to figure out. And I would watch him do it over and over and over again, but he, he had, he perfected it. So, and I, I'm surprised he never picked up other ones because he was, it was such sleight of hand and what, what he had done, the, 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 the bottom of it, the, the bottom line of it is that he hid, uh, he palmed the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the card, the, you know, essentially mm-hmm. the, the magic card that he was looking at and he had it. And then he, the way he, the way he made it appear was just unbelievable. It was like something watching on TV and he could do it. My father's still alive. He, he, unfortunately his, he's been very ill the last few years. And, but like uh, the last time I think I had him do it was when, uh, when I was a senior in college, and I was like, Hey, you remember this trick? And he's like, he's like, Oh yeah, son, I haven't done it in years. And I was like, do it one more, do it, do, do it for me. And I still can, I was like, he's like, do you want me to finally tell you? And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, and he showed me what he did and I just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. I just, it was just unbelievable. I'm like, how did you not ever pick up other card tricks? Cause he never did any other card tricks. It was just this. I've one. got. I don't know. I've got like a hundred of them on there, and I don't know why I couldn't get it to work right. I just can't get it. I can't get this angle. There it is. Bingo. Yeah, Two clubs. It's, it, it's hard to do at that angle. It's. I. I. Well, obviously, I got to practice it. So there you go. Hot take. Fred can't do card tricks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I probably got. So I. I during COVID. I mean, I must have watched. I mean, there's this guy in Europe that's amazing. So what I've been studying now is is card tricks. You know, like you can you can buy gap decks and stuff like that that are trick decks, but then you can't ever. Now I'm studying all these tricks you can do that are more sleight of hand with just a regular deck, and just card. And this guy, this squat guy in Europe, he does these just amazing ones that I'm just like, okay, I gotta learn these. I uh, during a I I used to commute a lot prior to COVID, and so like I. Uh, my my sister, my wife, my parents would always buy me these interesting books on tape and stuff. And one, they brought me that they bought me this this really interesting history of history of poker uh, mm-hmm. series. It was really long, and they talked about like the 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 riverboat days and how like not magic necessarily, but how people would cheat essentially, how yeah, card sharks yeah. would cheat, and what they would do to the to the cards. And I I, I remember thinking, I'm like, man, the amount of focus it would take to try and be able to do that you know and and me but that's what magicians do even these days that's how they're able to tell stuff it's just like the the slight smudging of something or or things like that it's just it's just unbelievable to me well it's it's like that you know that they can deal off the bottom of the deck or they can deal Mm -hmm. you know you know i mean there's so many different ways that that's what magicians do and what i love about watching them now is that now i'm not proficient in a lot of them i can do some but not not great like i don't have you know the angles and stuff are important but when i watch somebody that's really good at the craft like frank frank could do a lot of tricks that i knew what he was doing mm-hmm. or people that i've seen that out there i know what they're doing i know what the move is i know what how you have to either palm it or li- how you lift it or how you do whatever and i still can't see him i can't catch him and those are the people that are just you're just like it's absolutely amazing uh, uh, this this one story I, I played a lot of I played a lot of poker in college and so I had a lot of friends that did it and you know like my dad was really excited because he 
like we, we would come home and, and I would bring some friends over from college and we would play at my kitchen table, you know, for hours and my dad would join. And it was really, it was really cool to kind of share that, share those moments with him and stuff. But I remember it was, it, it was looking back. It's a great story at the moment. It was the most mortifying thing ever. Um, and it was, but uh, one of my friends had brought basically a friend of a friend to my home and we were playing and we were playing for money, mind you. Like, I mean, not, you know, huge sums mm-hmm. or anything. We were a bunch of broke college kids and my dad, you know, who right. just, but, um, but I remember this guy um, was, was dealing from the bottom of the deck and he was pretty good oh. at it. And wow. I, and my dad and I caught him at the same time and we're like, put the deck down. I was like, put the deck down. And my dad, my dad looks at me and he's like, he's like, you saw it too. And I was like, yeah. I was like, put the deck down. And he was like, what's going on? And my dad's like, this is my home. You need to leave. Wow. Yeah. And everyone, like, no one knew what was going on except for me and my dad and the, the guilty party, obviously. And, and, and it's the, the, my friend who had brought him was like, what's going on? And I was like, well, and my, my dad was like, we'll, we'll talk about this later you need to leave right now to the, to the, to the, to the guilty party. And when he left and, and, and my, my friends were like, well, gas, like what just happened? And I was like, and my dad's like, son, you can, he's like, I'm going to walk away. Cause like my dad, my, my dad instilled a very, a lot of, a lot of things in me. And one of the things is you never, one of the things you never do is cheat. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, like it yeah. doesn't matter if it's, it, it does not matter what the stakes are you just cheating is just one of the, the, the lowest of the low. He's like, yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. go cool off. You can tell your friends what just happened. And I remember telling him and they're like, are you serious? And I was like, we both caught it. I mean, wow. we both caught it. Like wow. it just, yeah, it was just, it was, it was insane. I, it was mortifying. And I remember I like, I took a break too. And I went to check on my dad. I was like, are you okay? He's like, he's like, yeah, I'm good now. He's out of the house. <laughs> I was like, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I remember he's like, is he, a, he's like, he's like, is he a friend of yours? And I said, no. Uh, and he's like, and he just looks at me. He's like, he's like, I love the other boys at the table. Um, he's like, let's just make a rule now. He's like, I want to continue playing cards with you guys. He's like, uh, he's like, no one who's not a friend of yours is not welcome in this house. Let's just make this easy. And I said, yeah, when it comes yeah. to playing, when it comes, he's like, anyone, any, he's like, anyone's welcome in our home. And he's like, he, yeah. I was like, I would even welcome that that kid back, uh, but no one's allowed to play cards if if you don't know them. And I said, that I said that's fair. Yeah, and I, I mean, it that's was like crazy. one of those watershed wow. moments. It was, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, that is crazy. Yeah, it's a um, a little interesting segue to one of our other segments too. Uh, and you, we had kind of talked about it at the, the beginning. We were live at the time. It'll be edited out by the people who are listening later and everything. But we do have a our our charity segment that we do each week where I asked my guest uh, to bring a nonprofit or charity of their choosing that we can feature and talk about. And uh, um, Fred, as you've mentioned numerous times on the show so far, is you're, you are a cigar nerd. You do smoke a lot of different things, not just Illusione. And, uh, um, and, but I, I love that you've been participating in, in this, this uh, gentleman's like airport contest, not coops. Uh, this is the second, no. <laughs> but, but also, uh, uh, you know, our good friend, Matt tobacco over at smoking tobacco is, is, uh, this is his uh, third or f- third or fourth year 
uh, doing an incredible, yeah, third year of incredible fundraiser for a great organization that I know you and I care a great deal about. And he obviously does too. It's the uh, Cigar Family Charitable Foundation uh, run by the Fuentes and Newmans. Um, And uh, he's, 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 I think he just, he just announced earlier to yesterday, they got another $10,000 donation. So he's like, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, there, I think there. I saw. I just did it. Refresh it. It was. Uh, it's up to twenty seven thousand five sixty, and he was hoping for thirty thousand, which I think he'll get. There's like nine days left. Um, it's it's a great cause. I've been down to Fuentes, uh, you know, school and stuff down there several times. Uh, it's it's an amazing operation that that Carlitos put together and the education and the schools and it, this is this is a full-size school. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, and, and a medical center and all this stuff. Uh, yeah. So they're raising it for that. So one, just, you can go and just donate if you want. Uh, and you know, if, if someone's listening and they're not necessarily a cigar, or they just want to donate, they can do that. Also, there's a raffle and there's some really good prizes in there. I mean, uh, I would have donated either way. If it's a chance to win something that, that's cool too. Um, but there's some really cool prizes. It's a great cause and, uh, I'm, I'm very supportive of it. Matter of fact, I'm going to send an email out here in a couple of days about it, just in case anybody hasn't seen it. That's in my database. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great cause and, and, you know, the chance to, to win something cool and help others. Yeah, there's some key Matt's been able to get some great prizes. Uh, so I mean, for, you know, for nothing else, a chance to win some pretty amazing stuff from a lot of manufacturers, not just the Fuentes and Newman's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people have pitched in, um, you know, over the last couple of years and this year is no different. Um, um, but it's a great cause. I donate every year uh, and uh, I'm, I'm pleased to be donating this year as well too. And uh, you know, for everyone out there, I put the link in the, the comments. It'll also be available in the show notes. Um, what you, you said, you've actually been there, Fred. Like, what was like the first time that you went? What was the what was the you know as cliche as it is to ask? What was the most impressive thing about about the project itself? Um, I mean, well, when you first get there, you, you see you see the 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 house there that's kind of like this showpiece to to Fuente and a lot of the history, and and it's actually where we filmed Final Puff. We filmed it there because Carlito wanted to do it there, but. Once you get beyond that and you actually go over to the school, which is in a you know, slightly different location, it's not, it's not far, but it's closer, was really, I mean, I, I pictured, um, when the first time I saw it, I pictured a much smaller facility. I mean, I just really pictured something a lot smaller. And this is, it's a full-size school. I mean, there's, there's you know, uh, I don't know how many buildings there are. There's got to be a dozen buildings, you know, and, and, and like I said, classrooms and medical center and all this stuff there. Um, it, it's impressive what he put out, which is arguably in the middle of nowhere, um, and 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 what he did to give back, and then also just you know the students and you you hear the stories, and when they do a formal tour there, there's usually like a show, like the kids put on like a show, like somebody will sing or you know whatever it may be, and just the the, the talent and 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 just you know what he's giving these people and some of them gone I, there's a couple that have gone i know that work at Fuentes factory and and and, and, and higher roles and things like that just you know how how he's making a difference uh and and, and what they've done with you know with, with the newmans and stuff and how they've done that and just you know fuente's already built a legacy he's already built a legacy on a brand but what you know when you talk to him privately or even you know you know somewhat publicly um what he sees as his legacy is, is the kids and mm-hmm. what the opportunity he's been able to give them that they would not. 
they would not have had without without that there. I think it's one of the things that um, I think people realize, but just, you know, until we start talking about like these, this charity or other charities or, cause there's a lot of great people in this industry that give back in a lot of different ways. I think this is definitely the largest um, in any capacity, but I, what I've, it's like one of the most unspoken things to talk about is that the countries that, that manufacture cigars, I mean, they're not, you know, these are not developed countries and, you know, in, in a no. lot, you know, a lot of places where factories and farms exist are, I mean, I mean, there's rural America, you know, and it, you know, rural America is New York city compared to, you know, the rural parts of the Dominican and Nicaragua. And yeah. I mean, you know, the Dominican is, is probably the most developed of the three major ones. Um, and even then it's still, I mean, before this charity existed and everything carlito talked about it when i when i had the opportunity to interview him and i know he talked a little bit about it on the final puff as well there was just nothing there for these people there was just not that there there was if there was a dream it was it that's what it was was a dream it's so so out of reach that it just couldn't be a reality and what the cigar family charitable foundation has done and what matt has done by bringing more attention to it has been great is that um you know is 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 cliche of a phrase it is these dreams are becoming a reality for a lot of these kids i mean there's just so many success stories which you hear from yeah and and imagine you know having the impact you know, you have an impact on one person that's a, a kid in the school but imagine what that changes for their whole future generations. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to leave an impact on this world and you can change, you know, one person, two people, dozens, thousands the way they have and change all the generations that come after that, what, what an incredible thing to do that he doesn't have to do. He doesn't have to do that at all. I mean, he can make cigars right. and he could donate money to something nearby or not donate money or whatever he wanted. I mean, it's a passion for him. Um, and, and it's, it's an, it's an amazing project that, you know, they started out going, well, maybe we can build a little building and we can, you know, help some kids. And it's turned in, like I said, it's a full blown school. Yeah. It's, um, it should be, I should call it a campus. (laughs) That's yeah. That's what I've heard it compared to is more like a, more like a campus is probably a better description. It, it is because when you picture school, you picture one building. It's, it's a campus. I mean, they have, they have a little theater area and I guess they're, I think, I thought he told me last time they're building like a, a sports field or something. I think they were getting ready to build or something like that. So yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's impressive. It really and they've is. They've been able to do stuff on healthcare too. They have like a, a clinic mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well, which is, I mean, I yeah. mean, that's what, what that's the impact that that's had on the community in itself. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, to go along with the educational piece is just, I mean, it has really, it has literally changed the way of these people's lives. And it, it, it it's, yeah. it's a beautiful organization. I, it, like you said, it's, that's, that's the legacy. That might be the legacy that we don't, when we look back at Fuente's life, you know, years from now, that may, may come up as second or third or fourth when we talk about what he's done. But, for everyone for everyone else in that area and that it'll always be that and i think yeah that's appropriate so so thank you fred thank you for bringing it up yeah so uh 
All right. Well, wanted to dive into a few more things uh, before mm-hmm. we called it a night. Um, we've we've talked about it a little bit um, coming up before we do get into the final puff, because I think it, there's some really great stuff that you did there. Just to go back to Illusiona for just a little bit, um, yeah. um, as I'm kind of going to the final third of this uh, this uh, number seven on the Ultra, um, the what what um is there anything in the portfolio that is not changing uh from what we've known it as or is it is it is it a complete it's looked like a complete overhaul i just wanted to make sure that i'm i'm clear on that is there anything that's not changing the way that we look at it now on the shelf okay so just to clarify so everybody understands there's not a blend changing at all and, correct, and I correct. No, just that, the, but, yeah, but, yeah, but just, I, yeah yes. and i just want to make sure everybody's aware there's no way dion's going to change any blends whatsoever um, so right now we're rolling with the original documents. Uh, Singularity becomes a core line. Ultra goes into the original documents line. Um, but yes, there are there are more coming. Whether he's going to do the entire portfolio or not, I don't know. Um, there's a couple that I actually think are are just fine the way they are. But he may he may decide to you know reimagine all of them uh, in a different light. But uh, I do know that there are more more coming. Uh, I won't say which ones are next because I just don't know the order of them or what he's going to announce or not announce yet. But I've seen artwork on other ones and they they, they look great. Um, they're you know they they all have if you divide up the portfolio they're all like slightly different. You know, there's a luxury the luxury line of it. And there's also the you know the original documents and there's also you know like Rothschild and things like that. So I don't know um, if he's going to change all of them. I suspect he'll probably change, you know, quite a, you know, a good portion of them uh, just as he gets rolling on it and he thinks of what he wants to, to, you know, repackage them or what he wants them to look like. Uh, but I, I don't know that it'll be the entire portfolio. Um, you mentioned the Rothschilds. I, I, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting to me that that that's a cigar line that also that almost gets talked about with, and it's interesting because it's the value piece of the Illusiona portfolio, maybe with in conjunction with like the Legrand and things like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, but the Rothschilds is almost when when people talk about, it, especially cigar nerds, there's almost like a reverence, mm-hmm. and it's like the ultimate like when people smoke more value price cigars, or even cigars slightly above it that just don't like, you know, come up to par there's always like this comparison, like, man, I'd rather go smoke a Rothschild. Like, like there, it, it, it's, it's almost mentioned with a kind of reverence, which is crazy when I, like, when you think about a value cigar, having that much, that much respect uh, when it comes down to, I, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think, you know, look, as, as cigar nerds, you know, look, if, if somebody wants a $2 bundle cigar and that's what they like, Hey, more power to them. man. I, I wish I liked those cigars. I've never found one there. They're like, so, you know, to get below a certain price point becomes very, very challenging to still deliver the quality that you want to deliver, to still, to still you know, have the tobaccos you want in it. And typically what happens is, is that, you know, if you're not going to sacrifice tobacco, then you sacrifice your margins considerably. Um, and so, yeah, when, when, when we're always sitting around, we're talking about cigars at that price point. Um, it's a pretty short list. It's a it's a pretty short list of anybody that consistently pulls that off, and that's not a that's not a judgment. That's just that's just the reality of it. That's just you know it, it's tough. So 
you know, there's, there, Rothschild is one of those ones that is, is always kind of a benchmark going, okay, you want to get under this price point, then, you know, that's, that's a cigar that a lot of people compare it to. Not because of necessarily the, the blend of it versus another cigar, um, you know, as far as, you know, what, what, what your personal tastes are, it's just, it's, it's really just, you know, it's quality. I mean, obviously it's a great blend, uh, but it's just difficult to achieve, you know, at that price point. Thousand percent. So you, you mentioned it, we were very quick and you know that, like you said, you knew that I understand it, but it's quick to, to you know, you're very quick to, to, to mention, and it's very important to mention that none of the blends are changing. Um, but I know that you've been around and obviously Dion's been on the retail side of this too. So he's seen it when brands change uh, yeah. the, the look of it. You know, people are the, the inevitable, oh, this tastes different. Are you sure you didn't change the right. blend and everything? Does he care? <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, 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 does he care that, that that's coming? I mean, that's it, it. Cause it will. Oh, you look, I, I guarantee what's going to happen. You know, when, when the OD hits the shelf, there's going to be somebody out there that swears, Oh, you know, Dion changed the blend and stuff like that. I know for a fact that he didn't, I know for a fact that he won't. Um, I, I look, I, I, I can't speak for Dion, so I can't say he cares. And I, I think everybody cares a little bit. I think, you know, the people that would care the most would be the people that were really trying to sneak one over and go, oh, I didn't change anything when they know they really did. And mm. those are the people that get most, most offended by it. I think when you know you didn't change anything and you're comfortable in your portfolio and comfortable in the process and knowing what you're doing and knowing the factors you're putting into it, then I think it becomes a lot easier to discount that and go, well, you're wrong. Right. Um, you know, I mean, you're right. There's a lot of people that have you know, we know have changed blends and they won't admit it. And, you know, for whatever reason, they ran out of the tobacco or they tried to reblend with new tobacco and they couldn't pull it off. Um, that's just not, that's not his style. I, I, I guarantee you that if for some reason he was not able to recreate a blend, which has nothing to do with the repackaging, if a day comes that he can't get the tobacco he wants, he typically, that cigar will just go out of production until such time that he's able to find that cigar again. And, and, and the, 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 We've 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 boosted production to try to curb that point where when he's checking the tobacco is getting ready and they're not they're not what he wanted that there's 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 more time to make that up that mm-hmm. you have enough in stock to to kind of go over those times when you're dealing with something you're rejecting. Uh, but otherwise, you know, and, and we've seen it we've we, we've seen it in Lujan portfolio where there's a blend just not available because Dion did not like the tobaccos and that's, that would be more likely what would happen than ever him trying to put one through. Cause I've seen him have some that I thought were close enough and they're not by his standards. And he just, he just d- doesn't do it. He just, he won't put it out. Yeah. I think the smart thing that you guys did about this whole rebranding was like you, you, you announced it at PCA last year and it was not like this, this sudden turnaround or it wasn't like you, you you've, you've used this phrase several times tonight putting one past right you're not trying to put one past this you're you're like you you put it out there very well ahead and and, and when everyone else at the show was telling us like oh it's being shipped now or it's it's going to be here next month or whatever like you're like no this is mm-hmm. this is 2023 this is going to be spring right early summer of 2023 i think right. it gave i uh, a lot of us time and 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 everyone else for that matter a lot of time to kind of adjust to it even before it even arrives which mm-hmm. I think was like a really, really smart play. I, I'm sure that was that was pretty intentional on his part. 
Yeah, I, I would think it would. I mean, you know, look, he's 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 not hiding anything, obviously, that way. I think the timeline probably stretched out a little longer than we thought it would. Um, but that's just, you know, that's just the mechanics of the cigar industry and, and, and how it goes down. But yeah, I mean, you know, look, we're not we're not we're not just all of a sudden showing up one day and we want everybody to prepare. We want the retailers to prepare. We want everybody to be excited about it. Um, and, it, and, and it is exciting. And like I said, the, the largest thing that feedback I got from retailers was predominantly like, I'm thrilled with this. Yeah. I'd like to find a way to sell more cigars and to have something, you know, pop on the shelf a little bit more is something that's going to that's going to help that. And, and, and a lot of lines, you know, that came long after Luciana have already gone through that process. Definitely. Well, we're really excited to see all of it that's coming and, and will continue to come too. Cause like you said, it's not a complete portfolio shift. It's just this, uh, the OD for, for the moment. Um, but other changes will be coming. Um, I'm excited to see what you guys come up with, uh, because it's, um, it's been one of my favorite brands, um, over the years. And I've, I've just really enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed Dion's palette. I think he's got, I think he's got an incredible knack for uh, creating a lot of cigars that are in the similar vein of like body and strength and everything like that. And creating an entirely different experience each time, which is really interesting. Cause everyone talks about the ultra being like this stronger cigar. And I'm like, it's not to me, it's very full flavored for me. No, no. Yeah. He doesn't put he doesn't put strength ahead of of the flavors. And I think the biggest thing that that I wanted to know when I came on board, and I remember having a talk with Dion about it, is that I don't know anybody that when you when you look at the tobaccos and you look at the tobaccos he puts into it, and you're just like, okay, so you've got Criojo 98, Criojo 99 in so many of his cigars. And yet they smoke so differently. You take mm-hmm. Epernay versus Ultra versus, you know, anything else that you want to name through there. And, and you're like, how are these so different when you keep dealing with the, the same cigars? And I think that somebody that's a cigar smoker keeps thinking there's this super finite universe. Like, okay, well, you got four predominant tobaccos in Nicaragua, obviously, you know, but then when you go down the rabbit hole, you've got different farms, you've got different, you know, how, the, how it's fermented. And so, you know, that's the the true test to me is when you have somebody dealing with a lot of the same ingredients and coming up with completely different expressions. That's what always amazed me about Illusione's portfolio from the beginning, aside from the fact that they were, they were great cigars. It's like, how do you keep getting something different? And that's because he's so specific, so farm specific on what he's trying to go for a specific blend. Definitely. So I wanted to uh, shift in talking about your, I guess your, your final independent project before you joined forces with Dion officially last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we've mentioned it several times so far tonight. It's the final puff, uh, mm-hmm. a great production uh, before you get into the the nuts and bolts of that. It, it for me, it was really exciting to see um, come this coming down the pipe about it. Cause you had kind of given me a little heads up on it. And I was really super excited about it. And it harkened me back to the days of when, like I said, when you and I used to talk in cigar shops and how mm-hmm. this show is kind of modeled off of those conversations, mm-hmm. which were actually mm-hmm. modeled off of uh, conversations that you used to have with Avo Yvesian, um, you mm-hmm. know, outside Corona for years. I feel like what was that kind of the inspiration or was it? I think it all was. I, th- I think it all was collectively. I, th- I think, um, you know, the conversations with Avo were, you know, there's there's the persona that everybody sees 
and there's the persona of how they are behind the scenes. And look, 80% of it's the same person, but you know, we all have this mode that we go into where you're selling or you're, 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 you're on camera and you're having to talk about the latest cigars and stuff like that. And then you all have these moments, whether it's with a cigar maker or even just someone that you're hanging out in the shop and you're having this, you know, talk with, and you, you get to know them a little bit more. Um, it's what I love about shows like this. And, you know, this is definitely a long format show. I mean, it's 1230 in the morning for me. Um, but you get beyond, you get to know the person and you get to know behind the scenes. And so, you know, all the conversations I had with Avo and that was somebody that I wish I would have done one of those shows before he had passed away. Um, I wanted people to have as, as if it was just sitting in a conversation where someone was talking about their lives, not, not a, here's my press release or here's my my zoom call to talk about my latest blend i wanted them to have a little bit of what what we get when we get close to a manufacturer and they're talking about you know what what went well what didn't what were their challenges what's it like working with a family member how do you how do you you know whether it's you know the episode i did with uh you know lito and tony and tony you know coming up in his own how do you find your own way when you're when your dad's a legacy on that how do you find your own way and how do you work together? Do you butt heads? Do you do whatever? Um, Raquel Casada, Manola Casada is another one, you know, a family oriented one. Um, how, you know, Fuente was the one I was the most nervous about because I'm like, you know, how do you, you know, the, he, he's a bigger than life icon that doesn't do a lot of the sit downs in that format whatsoever and have him tell the story and talk about his mother and, and, and his dad and the, and the, the philosophies of what he was trying to achieve and things like that and really show the vulnerability. Mm-hmm. That they're I, I wanted I wanted people to see them just like regular people, not just cigar right. makers, you know. And so I, a little bit of that was probably collectively with Avo because when Avo passed away, it was interesting is that everybody had a story about Avo, and they may have been loosely related to cigars, but they were about the man first and the cigars second. Well, and so that's a little bit of, of what I was trying to get in there was see the people first and the cigars second. Well, and that's exactly my point, Fred, because like I, I can tell you the exact day it was the the best. And this I've been wanting to tell you this for years and maybe I have in, 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 a, in a different sort of way. But I want to be very direct with this. The, the very best conversation, my favorite conversation in a cigar shop that I've ever had was it was a few days after Avo had passed away and you just happened to be in Texas and you. Mm-hmm. You came to Michael's and we sat down and we, it, it, it felt like 15 minutes, but we must've been there for three hours and we were holding court and talking nothing about nomad and nothing about cigars. And it was all about this man and it was about mm-hmm. the person. And it was mm-hmm. my absolute favorite conversation that I've ever been a part of in the cigar, in a cigar shop. It was, it was, it was just an incredible experience to, to be there and to just, just to listen to you talk about someone that had influenced the industry in a number of ways and been an ambassador to use a word that we've used quite a bit tonight mm-hmm. um, f- for, for the industry and, and, and what he had done and it was, it, and what he had done for you personally too. It was, it was incredible. The, the, and so these conversations that you had with the final puff, I really, for the, first of all, I thought the production was fantastic from a, from a technical standpoint. Your director of photography—I don't know where you dug up Richard Jimenez, but um, mm-hmm. I thought he did. A, I thought he did a great job with 
like I love that there was ambiance to it. Like you mentioned the the interview with the Gomez's. You could mm-hmm. hear the goings ons in the factory, and but was it nightmare. wasn't distracting. Was but it wasn't distracting was, though. Yeah, well, I'll tell you behind the scenes on that. So one thing that was interesting is that I I, I talked to everyone pers- personally and said, "Hey, here's what I'm thinking." And they were all on board, which floored me. And then the other part was, is that I, I, I wanted them all to pick their location. I wanted them all to pick a spot that they wanted to do the interview because I know they would be the most comfortable there. And so when Lito and Tony said they wanted to do the factory floor, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Um, and then we get there and it was so loud. I mean, really loud. And so when I got back and I'm looking, I'm looking at all the footage, I'm like, it was borderline unusable. I mean, it was so loud in the background and it was so you, I, I'm like, well, do I subtitle this? Cause you can't hear them. Uh, Hanky in the field was also very similar to that problem. The only one that was actually in a perfect location was Abe Flores cause it was in his music studio. So sound wise, it was perfect. Um, Manola and Raquel Casada was in their, their, um, kind of conference room, couch area and stuff. That one wasn't bad. So I was really in trouble when I got back and I'm looking at all the footage and I get all the raw footage because the sound was not good. Like I, I really kind of, the photography was great. We had three cameras and, and, and that was great, but the sound quality was not, and I was really disappointed in that. And so I was going to do all editing by myself, which it would have been a nightmare, but I had the program and everything to do it. And I could not fix the sound uh, on probably at least half of the episodes, not even close. So I went to the guy that edited, edited it and I said, um, and he was saying the same things like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, we can't do it. So he literally had a guy that was in Hollywood that did stuff and whatever. And he's the guy that made the magic happen in the sound um, that made it where it was all usable all of a sudden. Um, Puente Puente was actually fine too. That was a pretty controlled environment. Um, But, but the Lido one was an absolute nightmare. It was so loud. It was, it was, it like I said, it was almost unusable, but this guy just worked his magic. I don't know how he did it to this day. I know it wasn't cheap, but you know, it was worth, it was worth it to pay it. And he did a great job. I don't necessarily want to go through all of them, but there were a couple of key moments in a couple of the interviews that I wanted to talk about. So mentioning the Gomez's, I, mm-hmm. I, I've, I, I've told this story numerous times. Lito is the reason I'm here, uh, mm-hmm. and his his rep at the time um, put on an event for a cigar shop that I happened to walk to. It was the very first cigar shop I had ever walked into when I was 18 years old, and and I fell in love with this cigar. And you know, fast forward, you know, 20 years, and here I am. Um, and, um, you know, when he talks about how, because you had mentioned to him, like, hey, Tony's a Tony's a legacy. You know, he's the son. Um, but, you know, Lito wasn't. And 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 you asked Lito to try, talk about it. He said, well, uh, he's a walking miracle. And, you know, that that might seem a little bit, you know, out of context, that might seem a little, you know, hyperbolic mm-hmm. and a little bit over the top. But to hear him say it actually was very, very humbling uh to him to use those words like he he felt like he shouldn't be there and 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 what he's accomplished and everything i thought that was that was really interesting what you know when you hear when you like you said like for example with carlito and everything like he's an he's a he's an icon that stretches beyond the industry even like mm-hmm. and these are incredible humble and incredibly humble individuals when i mean 
and you've had the opportunity to build relationships in the past. So, I mean, was that still, even as you were capturing it on camera, was that still kind of like awe-inspiring in itself? Yeah. I mean, there. look, I, I asked a lot of questions that I already knew the answers to um, just, be, just from knowing them. And I knew they'd be interesting things for them to talk about. Most of the time, look, I, I, it wasn't about me. It was, there's no mention of me ever making a cigar. There's no mention of me ever being in the industry. There's me just trying to do my best job at interviewing somebody. And look, there are people in the industry that would do a way better job than me. It's just, I had access and I had them where I knew they'd be comfortable. And, but there were, there were moments in a lot of them when I'd open a, ask a question and yeah, I knew the short answer, but I didn't know the long answer. Uh, and so there, there, there are several moments in a lot of them where you've got something very real. Um, you know, some of the, some of the answers are obviously questions, you know, answers you'd hear on everything or in an interview or read. And then there are a lot of very real moments with those people that, um, you know, with, 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 uh, Lito you're talking about, there's the, there's the moment where Lito is really talking about the legacy and he and, and, and you can see that he's he recognizes his mortality and stuff like that and he starts talking about something and then tony's like well you never told me that you know i mean so just these things that had come out with with carlito it was a lot about his mom and stuff and i i remember the moment with carlito that 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 uh he was talking about the factory and, and if you ever have the opportunity to see anybody listening has the opportunity to see the factory in dr it, it, it's amazing there's there's I don't know anybody that's done a build out aesthetically inside a factory to what he's done. I mean, you know, like even on the show, we're talking about the crown moldings are old molds, cigar yeah. molds and just, yeah. I mean, it's just. His original, his, his grandfather's, his grandfather's molds, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. just crazy. And so, so I remember the moment when, you know, when we're both comfortable enough with each other and, and Carlito was the one, by the way, that I had the least experience with. I'd met him before. He knew who I was, which is why he 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 okayed the interview, which surprised me because it was kind of a last minute thing. And um, there's a moment when Carly is talking about the factory, and you know he he he's, he's his heart's on a sleeve, and he's talking about the culture and family and how much it means for him, and how, how he's done so many little things in the factory that maintain that he doesn't want to let go of anything in the past. And I remember him talking about it, and I remember asking him straight up. I said, "Well, Carlito, let me ask you a question." I said you've built all this, but you don't really, it's not open to the public. You don't give tours. I said, so did you build this for everybody else or did you build it for yourself? And he's like, man, I, I guess I built it for myself. You know, just, you know, just, but, but they're, <laughs> they're very real moments in a lot of these. And, you know, Nurka Reyes is, is an absolute powerhouse behind Saga. And, and to, to, you know, she was, she was top of my list to have a woman to give somebody that, that attention that sometimes I hate to say it, it it's a male dominated, yeah. uh, you know, industry and she is sharp and she, she knows her stuff. And, and so her and I've had a lot of conversations and there were certain conversations. So, you know, when we talked, you know, beforehand and stuff, we had a conversations and she does not like the cliche of being a woman in a man's world and and and, and she, it, it's very cliche and she gets it all the time and so the way i positioned it in there which she didn't miss a beat and it was some really interesting answers was i said you know well what advantages do you have in this industry as a woman that a man doesn't have and she, she and she ran with it and so yeah. you know they all have very very you know manola casado's past and 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 abe Abe Flores, I mean, that wasn't necessarily a big name among all the other ones, although he is a Pro Cigar member. But um, 
that was really showing the vulnerability of somebody that built a huge company very fast and how mm-hmm. it got away from him and how what he had to do to reposition and rebuild and you know you know and dust it off after it came crashing for the most part um and so that that's why i wanted him in that episode too and every one of them had the ability to cut something out they were all going to be given the the rough draft and interestingly enough almost every single one of those episodes are exactly as the conversation happened i didn't reposition anything the only one that has any repositioning whatsoever is the saga interview on the restaurant which we put a little bit of the food stuff more towards the front than that because it came out a little bit later every single one of those is exactly as it as it happened there's not moving things around or anything like that so it's it's the it's the unveiling of all that as you go through it and um i was going somewhere with that but i lost track uh but anyway so it yeah it was it was a lot of really great moments with those people i forget where i was i had a point there but well i think i think that's that's (laughs) i mean if if i could take the liberty here i think that's i think that's part of the the magic that you created was that it it, and that was actually going to be my question so you 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 actually answered it was what kind of what kind of editing of the conversation took place and Oh, I know. Um, it, okay. it seemed yeah. it seemed very natural. So yeah, I'll go ahead and let you let you finish your thoughts. No, I, re- I remember now. So what I was going to say is that they all they were all getting the um, they all got the proof of it when when we got it all we got all cut and and Richard who did the editing of it did a great job. There was very little that I had to you know camera angles because there's three cameras running, you know. So he's choosing which cameras would be up there as you're watching the show. So all of them were given the opportunity to cut anything they want if it was a topic that they just didn't feel comfortable with. Or they they said stuff, you know, and they all have moments of vulnerability in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody cut anything at the end of the day. Nobody came back to me and said, you know what, I probably shouldn't have said that or that didn't come off right. They all let it go as organic as it was, good, bad, or indifferent, and they didn't change a thing. That's beautiful. I think the 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 thing for me that one of the one of the most powerful interviews for me because and it was very symbolic because it, they're they're out now. Was the was mm-hmm. the interview with Henke and Kloss in the in the tobacco yeah. field? And yeah, um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole of discussion of that. But it was it was very it was very symbolic and powerful for me because you know what an incredible thing that 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 family he built, and now that they're no longer with that company, it just it seemed very appropriate that it was in a tobacco field because that's where it started. And class was always, I remember class always talking about like his family, like we're we're farmers, we're farmers. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where it was. And I was like, this, this is perfect the way that it was. And um, hearing Hanky talk to you about how his, his father didn't want him to do this Mm -hmm. um, was just, was some of the, again to your point just very very raw emotional you know context of 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 you know the difficulty of this industry it's not easy and it's not for the faint of heart because there's so much patience there's so much time there's so much that can go wrong you know 300 300 steps to make a cigar that ends up on a shelf and you know any one of those things goes wrong and you know you you have a crap product and it you know yeah 
Well, and even somebody like Hanky, you look at in that interview where he talks about, you know, you think these are people that are that are icons that don't have any regrets or things they would do different. And they all pretty much had something they said, you know, Hanky wished that he had his own brand of control, that he had done it with the family from, you know, longer, you know, in, in a different way, of which they're now going back to to creating now. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. But yeah, they're 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 all they all have those moments. And for him to do the interview and choose to do the interview in his field and you know with that background and everything like that again another sound nightmare because it's windy and everything else but uh uh yeah i mean it was what a, what a great place to, to to go back where it all started for them yeah what was there you might have discussed it and i might and forgive me fred i think i, I and if, if you did I, I missed it was there a reason that you chose uh, the Dominican, because there's, I mean, these are all families and, and companies and, and manufacturers that are all Dominican based. Was there, was there a reason for that or an intentional reason for that? Or was it one of convenience? Yeah, there, or? There, well, there were, there were three reasons. One is, is that if I, I, if I ever decided to do more then I would just go over to Nicaragua and do on a series over there. Uh, two Dominican is it's where I started. The Dominican Republic is where I made my first cigar. It's where I had my first connections with people in the cigar industry. And three, they were the ones I knew the most. I mean, those were the people that, and there are a couple other ones that, you know, if I go back and do them, I do, I do as well. But I mean, those were all the people that I had the closest relationship with. Said, with, with the exception of Fuente, who it's not like we sat down and had dinner a bunch of times together or anything like that. But everybody else I knew very closely. And I knew that they, that I could probably, hopefully, and I didn't know, it was, all in, it was unknown at the time, but hopefully I could get them to be very comfortable and say things that they weren't normally saying or given the opportunity to say. And so those are people that I knew that they weren't, they wouldn't have to put on a facade for me that they'd feel, they'd feel comfortable. So that those are people that I honestly picked to make my job easier. (laughs) Well, it it was incredibly well done, uh, Fred. And I hope, I hope, I hope you're as proud of it as you should be because it was impeccably well done. I, thoroughly enjoyed it. I was so excited when you told me about it. And when it came out, I I it's probably the it's probably one of the things I've been most excited about in this industry in a really long time. Like I and and that 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 includes like great cigar releases. Like it it was it was just it was I appreciate beautiful. that. Yeah. And if anybody anybody wants to see them you you go to the finalpuff.com. Uh they're all they're all up there. You can watch them. You can go on YouTube somewhere too. I think the final yeah. puff has a channel too, but otherwise yes. you can see them all on that website. They stream off YouTube. Yeah, I was going to. Uh, I'm going to the the YouTube channel will be in the show notes, and and please, please, if you haven't had the opportunity, anyone out there, you have to sit down. There's seven episodes; they're all fantastic, including the last one, which I love that you did. It was it was almost like it was like six for us and one for you. I felt like on the on the yeah, side of the restaurant thing. I think it was it was yeah. perfect, man. I love that you did that. It was so cool. I got to tell you, man, I got a lot of respect for people now. I always, I always wanted to be like, you know, Anthony Bourdain or Guy Ferrari, you know, that goes out there and does like, you know, restaurant stuff. I got to tell you, that's way harder than it looks. The sit down interviews are really easy compared to trying to cover a restaurant. And I was glad that all the people that have been to Saga, at least the ones that sent me messages anywhere, like, you know, I think who sent me messages like you captured it, you know, and, and that's all I could hope for because it, it's, it, it's almost impossible to, to show what Saga's experience is without actually being there. So I was, I was happy that people at least that had been there going, okay, it was represented well. <laughs> it was great. I loved, um, 
I mean, just and just him talking about like COVID and the difficulty and like he couldn't get the salt blocks, he couldn't get the meat, yeah. the meat chain, like the 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 steaks were actually it just gone up so much in price and everything. And it like I think you captured the 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 struggle of it as well too like oh here's this 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 fantastic thing that the people in the know knew about but you mm-hmm. kind of peeled back the curtain for us and for people who might just stumble on it one day like here's a really cool story of a restaurant that unless you just happen to be visiting you you don't know about it. and they 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 the, the care that they put into their product is just as much as what the manufacturers put into their you know cigar manufacturers put into there which was i thought was perfect well, and that, the funny, the fun thing about Saga that I got, you know, in the interview right away, which was always my intent, was is that you know, Fuki didn't create and build that restaurant for smokers as much as he built it for non-smokers. He didn't like going over with all of his people to a restaurant and smoking a bunch of cigars with all the non-smokers. And I've always said, you know, we have to be respectful of non-smokers and them not wanting having smoke if we want them to be respectful of us smoking cigars in an environment where we can smoke cigars. And I mean, here's a guy that built an entire restaurant to accommodate some of that. And he could have phoned it in. He could have just, he could have just, you know, threw any food on there and gave everybody a place to smoke. But uh, obviously he, he didn't with that menu. Yeah. Um, I, the, the one time I've eaten there, I did not get a chance to have some of the spicy salmon tartare. And that's going to be as much as I'm going to go back for the steak. When I go back, I'm that's, that's going to be the, the other thing oh, that yeah. I order for sure. Yeah. You got to get that. You got to get the Mananagiris, which is the uh, uh, roll with the, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the word. Uh, I'll think of it. I'll think of it at like three in the morning. <laughs> well, Fred, just uh, again, uh, thank you for doing that. Um, um, I, I know that it was, you know, it's something you you completely did independently and and on your own dime and on your own time and and uh, it I I hope I hope you're as happy with it as as, as I oh, know I'm, that I am. I'm thrilled. Are. Yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with them. It's terrific. Just got a couple of last segments here before we uh, before we call it a night. And Fred, I can't thank you enough for your the the time and the conversation um, with you. It's been it. It's always great. It's always great talking to you. And uh, yeah, I feel the same. Um, so our, our next segment is, a, is brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So, Fred, this uh, this this segment has to do with uh, uh, what it suggests is like, the you know, as we've talked about throughout tonight, you know, cigars are very community driven, you know, uh, that that's what kind of drew you to it as well. And, uh, you know, some of our, our best times have been in a community, you know, smoking together, talking mm-hmm. together. Um, but every so often, you know, we get the opportunity for it's just us and the cigar and that's it. You know, it could be reflecting on a, a, you know, something celebratory. It could be something of much deeper meaning and everything. I know you've probably had several of those moments over your lifetime, but you know, what's one co- that comes to mind where you're like, Hey man, this was, this was a really great moment. I remember it when, what were you smoking and what was that moment about? If you can recall. Um, God, that's a great question. Uh, I, you know, I, I think, so I, I used to, I used to hoard a lot of cigars. I used to, you know, I've got several towers in my house and, and I would, keep these cigars and I'm going to smoke these later, you know, celebrate something later and have these cigars. And, 
when when Avo passed away, I had a pretty significant collection of Avos over the years, just proximity and and obviously the relationship. And I had a I had a lot of those hoarded in in, in a tower. And I remember when he when he passed away, and it I found out very early in the morning, and I went to the humidor to grab a cigar to smoke before um, before it all like the rest of the world kind of knew about all of it, and I. I grabbed an avo and I and I, just one of the normal ones that I would always smoke. And I remember smoking it, and then I finished it, and I and I wasn't quite ready to go out back into the world as far as that's concerned. And I went and grabbed one of the older ones that I'd had that I'd been saving and stuff like that. And I realized that there was no reason to save them, not because of avo in general. It was just I mean you're, you're obviously coming off the whole life is short and blah blah blah, but I. I realized that just why why are you saving these cigars? Why why are you not smoking? What 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 moment are you looking for that's the perfect moment to smoke that cigar as opposed to do you have a moment where you're alone and you can enjoy the cigar? Maybe it's not a cigar you're bringing on the golf course because you want to give full attention to the cigar, but I realized that I had to create more of those moments that you know don't put everything off to the future. And that included some of my cigars in there that I know are good, that are that are either rare, public, or even cigars that were available public that aren't available to you. Um, really, that moment when I so I went back in and I got like I said, I got one of the older cigars, and I realized. And so probably that week I smoked through a bunch of them, um, and still have some. But I, I I looked at my humidor differently. I think from that point on, from that yes. moment of sitting there smoking, going, you know what, there's. There's no, there's no point in in holding on them. You're not going to regret the cigars that you smoke. You're going to regret the cigars you didn't smoke, and you know, then then you're not here, and you know, somebody else gets them, and probably will never appreciate them to what you will. So just, you know what, don't don't hold on to them. Light them up. Maybe you got one or two that you're hanging on to something, or you know, whatever. You know, you finished half a box and you leave a couple, but don't don't put them all off for for some future date that you're hoping that everything's going to be in line because it may not be. Heard a lot of people give that advice over the years, and I think that you know, you know, I think it's it, it's in moments like that where you realize that again, to, to your point, as cliche as it sounds, like life is short. You know, enjoy it while you can, and and uh, you know, these cigars were made to be smoked, so we'll not enjoy them. Um, I've tried to enjoy cigars differently. Um, at my heart, I still I still like aging. I still like doing that experimentation. And and uh, I was talking to Pete Johnson about it once, and I was like, I just. I, I like that part of it. And he says, well, for that, for you, that's, that's it. That's part of it. You know, that's part of your journey. That's part of your, what you like to do. And that, you know, us saying to smoke, it isn't, you know, shouldn't go against what you enjoy doing with it, but you know, at the same time, you know, don't, don't put off something. And, no, I mean, and I have, have some of those. Month. I, I absolutely have some of those, you know, um, and, and that's a, that's a different purpose and that, you know, okay. but, that that's because you're you're wanting to see how they age and stuff like that yeah i get that yeah i do have some of these martial laws still which was one of my favorites that you did that i just need to i need to i don't i don't know why i'm just holding on to them but maybe i just need to take your advice and just light them up and enjoy them because I, I enjoyed them so much when you released them you know well save one i'll bring one we'll smoke one together the rest of them just smoke <laughs> there you go. Sorry, fair enough. Uh, the second to last segment here. This is a rapid fire. We call it the this or that. I give you two choices of something, Fred, and you just uh, okay. you just pick one. So uh, uh, right. let's go back to your motorcycle days. Honda or Kawasaki? Honda. Okay. Harley or Indian? 
Harley. It, is that more? Uh, have you had an experience with Indiana? Because I know they just they just started coming back into real popularity and everything. Have you have you have you ridden any of uh, the new Indians? Uh, no, not the new ones. So, I, and I never owned an old one. So I, I've had several Harley. So I'm just picking Harley. Yeah. Okay. When it comes to uh, cigars and lighting, uh, multi torch or single torch? Single torch. If you had a preference on a lighter, would it be a torch lighter or would it be like a match or something a little bit less, less ostentatious? Um, uh, no, SD DuPont extend single, okay. single flame, precise, precise flame lights every time. Um, that answers, I think that answers my next one. I had LE blue or DuPont lighters. So that's DuPont, I guess. I, I don't have an LE blue. They're beautiful lighters. I don't have anything, you know, I'm, you know, I'll, I should pick one up at some point, but yeah, I SD DuPont. You mentioned how you're going to do tournament fishing here in short order. Um, so fishing in the ocean or in a river? River. What 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 is it about it? Is it a more secluded? Do you feel like it's more it's private or cal- calmer? There's not sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Less chance of death. Yeah, that's probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of bad movies other than Deliverance that things happen on rivers. There's a lot of bad movies that happens in the ocean. Yeah, Jaws. <laughs> Jaws. <laughs> Jaws, yeah. And I saw that at a young age. That messed me up for life. <laughs> um, write another book or act in another film? Act in another film. Is that? Do you think that's, that's uh, something that you'll be able to do again? Probably. Dinner with Clark Gable or Cary Grant? Cary Grant. Any particular reason why? Just seems more interesting. Yeah. I think he has, I, I'm, I'm thinking he has better stories. Yeah. I, and I think he was a lot more of a, there was a lot more range to his acting than Clark Gable. I think Clark Gable was brilliant. Don't get me wrong. But I think there, like you said, I think he'd be a lot more interesting to talk to. I totally agree. Um, cigars with Marlon Brando or Robert De Niro. Mm. I, I'd have to take Brando. Again, I think he'd probably have more interesting stories or at least actually probably tell the more interesting stories. What's your favorite Brando film? Is it the Godfather or is it something else on the waterfront? I love him in that film. I'm, I'm still a Godfather guy, but I still, I love, I love him in On the Waterfront. He's so, oh, he's great I mean, Godfather is great. I mean, we've talked about it before. I mean, you know, but that, that's, that's a caricature in some ways. It's, 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 it's a, it's a character in a film, although mm-hmm. very real um, versus, you know, some of the other stuff. Yeah. I think, and it's unfortunate because I think a lot of people just know him as that and they don't, unfortunately know him which is sad because he, he was a brilliant actor for a number of years and did incredible film work um um you've been yeah, rocking for a guy for, that never remembered lines <laughs> yeah right you've been rocking it for a while now for a few years at least uh but what uh if you had your choice long hair or short hair um given a perfect day of both i like the long hair but the reality is long hair is very difficult and my wife won't let me leave the house with a, a, a ponytail or a man bun. So yeah, I have to, I have to say long hair, but you know, this is a lot easier. 
When it comes to bacon, mesquite smoked or applewood smoked? Applewood. Thousand percent with you. That's probably going to upset a lot of my fellow Texans. I don't care. Applewood. Thousand percent. Oh, uh, hey, if you're talking grilling, I mean, mesquite's great. If you're talking bacon, applewood's better for bacon. Th- yes. A hundred percent. This one's uh, thrown to our old buddy, Clint Aaron of formerly of 262 Cigars. Corn dogs or hot dogs? Corn dogs? All why? day long. Why Why corn dogs? Crunchy exterior, plus you can do a mini corn dogs without the sticks and just eat those all day long. Yeah, corn dogs. Okay. What's the dipping sauce of the corn dog? Is it mustard only? Yes, only mustard. Yeah. You have been a life from my, my observation of you, Fred, in our conversations, you've been a lifelong student, but you've also been a lifelong teacher. What do you feel more comfortable being? Oh, students way easier. Cool. Awesome. That was uh that was a rapid fire this or that segment to uh our <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> Last question, our curveball segment. Uh, which is always brought to you by <laughs> Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter. Since the company's inception, Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Count them up. Eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Sacco. All right, so we talked a little bit about your conversations with Ava over the years. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward a few decades. Now you've switched places. You're the one, you're the one with the sage advice. You're the one that someone younger is sitting there listening to, and you're telling stories of conversations like in the final puff and creating a brand like Nomad and and being a brand strategist for a company like Illusione and whatever else is in store. One piece of advice that you're passing along, then if you can think about it, if you want to think of it as the number one thing you'll pass along or something that you know for a fact you'd pass along, whatever it is, it's completely open-ended. Um, it's not mine, but it comes from my favorite film, Shawshank Redemption. And it's literally the line, get busy living or get busy dying. Why does that speak to you so much? Because no matter where, where you are, whether it's a, you know, a, a, a difficult situation or anything like that, you, you have a decision to make and look, I mean, I am absolutely terrified of dying. Like at some point I'm going to have to deal with that shit. Um, I'm not super religious, so I don't have that belief that I die and, you know, my soul gets to reunite with everybody else and stuff like that. So um, at moments of whatever's going on in my life or whatever like that, I also have to get back to this is the one shot, you know, if there's something else afterwards, you know, and I hope there is, and hope we all get to hang out with Mark Twain and smoke cigars later. But <laughs> the, 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 the idea that this is your one shot, which is why I've done so many different things. And I always joke about being a short attention span, but in reality, it's probably cause I'm like, this is my only chance to do all these things. And so just, get busy living and enjoy life and do as much as you can on your own terms, obviously be kind to others, obviously, you know, do what you can to better the world. And however that means to you. Um, and just, just run, just keep, you know, run until, you know, the doors fall off and that's all you got left. 
So um, that probably fuels a little bit of why I've done, you know, I, I try so many different things just for, even if it's just for fun, because I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of the days when you're not going to be able to do that anymore. Do you ever get exhausted? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't sleep a lot at night. I usually take a 20 minute nap during the day and, um, you know, but so far, you know, it, it, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I asked that just cause I, I think that, I, I mean, I think that's beautiful advice and I, I know a lot of people that kind of go a million miles a minute and, you know, it, it, it it's kind of brought, especially recently for me personally, I, it's gotten, I've, I've been so exhausted lately. And I can't, I can't mm-hmm. put my finger on why or how. And, and I, I guess I'm, you know, here at the tail end of my show here, Fred, I'm just asking for your advice. Like when, when moments like that exist and I mean, is it, does, does that, does that self-advice kind of come in back into frame for you? Like, Hey, I might be tired, but it's either get busy living or get busy dying. Or how do you battle through it? I th- I, for me, I, I have to find some sort of downtime. So there, there's the danger of doing all those different things as a distraction, you know, versus making them more therapeutic. So like, um, I have certain things that I'll do like golf that I don't think about work. I don't think about life. I'm not solving any problems. And those are downtime for me. Um, I probably watch too many shows or movies for me. That's like an hour and a half, just get away and not do anything. I'm trying to do more reading this year, um, and things like that. But then I try to, I try to find just some sort of calmness in the moments. And like I said, I can, I can take a 20 minute nap and full on dream inside of 20 minutes, uh, and then wake back up without an alarm and things like that. So I try to, I try to find downtime. I think cigars have actually been really good for me. Because if I come out, you know, every night I come out on the deck and usually my wife's with me and, you know, I'll have a glass of wine, I'll have a cigar and just stop. Just don't do anything. I actually try to do it also. It's interesting. Um, try to find in, in, in today's society, it's it, you're, you're, you're like we're on our phones all the time. And so I, you know, you, you, you can have somebody look at a gas pump that can't even be on the phone. And I try to look up more than I look down, even though I'm on my phone a lot, like everybody else is, but I try to have a lot of moments where I'm not, if I, I go for a walk every morning, I go for a walk for two miles, um, and try not to have anything hitting me. Like, you know, like I like podcasts and stuff like that, but I try to have times where I just don't have anything where I don't have to have some sort of exterior thing and just take a moment and just stop. I used to do a lot more meditating. I probably should do more of that, which I'm not good at the whole meditating thing. Cause my mind starts to wander, but even if you can just take five minutes and just stop with, 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 with all the stuff we have hitting us on a regular basis, if you can just, just stop or find something that works. I used to sit there and I used to try to play piano. I was never good at it or I would juggle and juggling. I wouldn't think of anything other than what, what that is, but try to find little things like that, that you can just break away for just a second and break away from everything else and all the noise. And I think that's what helps me with the lack of sleeping and things like that is to try to find moments. And like I said, I think cigars have been awesome for that. Sometimes I'll go to a cigar shop and I'm not saying a word. I'm just sitting there listening to all the conversations and I'm relaxing and listening. Sometimes I'm on my deck. I spend a lot of time on my deck, just sitting and just having a cigar or go sit on the, the pontoon boat and just sit there and not even take it out. Just sit there and just, just take time to reflect and, 
and and slow down, I guess. Yeah. Lately, when I slow down, I fall asleep, but maybe that's what I need. <laughs> well, that, yeah. I mean, look, I I get it. I mean, I usually get up at four in the morning, and and usually at ten o'clock, I'm I'm exhausted for whatever reason, and I have to just go lay down. But I've learned, I really trained myself to literally just I can nap for twenty minutes, and then I'm I'm you know probably not a hundred percent, but I feel like I'm a hundred percent, and then just get back up. But I you have to take moments. I I have to I have to take moments away because everything runs so fast, and then I just hit a wall, and then I'm exhausted. I mean, and I was actually worried about it for a while. It's like I literally went to the doctor and I'm like, okay, check check my blood, check everything else. Is there something, you know, that why am I tired? And I think, well, because you, you're running around too much and you're not sleeping. <laughs> it's not it's not rocket science. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't say it was bacon. So that's good. Oh, no, no, that, that's certainly. That, that, I love to cook. That's another thing. I, I, I've got, I, I've always loved to cook and I cook a lot more now and get lots of ingredients and make sauces and stuff like that. And so, you know, I built a whole kitchen with a six burner stove and all the stuff so I can cook more. And that's one of those things that's an escape for me, yeah. that, you know, just going into go, go into that moment and do something like that. I don't paint, but that seems like that would be something somebody could do. You know? Yeah. No, I love cooking and I, I'm, I'm the one that cooks for my family and it's something I really enjoy and I really, really love doing it. And, uh, even if they are simple dishes, my, my kids obviously have much simpler taste. My wife has, you know, very simple taste too. And, but I still love it. I still love, I still love doing that. It's a great escape for just a few minutes and everything, but, uh, well, terrific. Well, Fred, again, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to speak with you today and, and what a great conversation. Um, and thank you for taking time out. I know you don't sleep very much, but I know it's late. So I appreciate uh, oh, you that's all right. with me. This is great. So. I'll, I'll be exhausted two minutes after this goes off, but I'm, I'm, I'm here now. So yeah, but I appreciate you having me on the show. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, for everyone out there, we do really appreciate all your likes, shares, and comments. Keep them coming. You can check out our YouTube channel, Ellis Fumar, and also check out our Facebook page, Ellis Fumar, as well. It's a calendar of upcoming guests and specials as we got them coming out. We'll have some great guests coming up in the following weeks. Uh, so you can, we will be able to see that here live every Sunday night, uh, 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern. Uh, if you are listening to this later on podcast, be sure you download, subscribe, and review whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, hit the download, subscribe, and review button. If you are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit resubscribe because it helps my numbers so that I can get great guests like Fred whenever I want. It really helps me out. So, <laughs> But uh, for everyone out there, I really do appreciate it. Uh, this was our 247th take. On the road to 250, we've got a very special take planned for our 250th take. Uh, every take for me is very special, but I know that a lot of our I know a lot of my audience looks forward to those milestone shows. So we got a good one coming up here for you guys in a few weeks. Um, but for everyone out there, I appreciate it. I'm Barry Duplissy live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azel. Whoa, of Azel, Texas. <laughs> this is our 247th take. He's Fred Rui. We'll see you next time. Bye.